Good evening. Welcome to episode five of the Power Pod. It's been a long journey here. Uh, it's it's a nice day out. Uh, uh, we have a lot to talk about today. I was a very sweaty boy today. <laughs> oh Jesus! It's a bit it's a bit tropic out there. Uh, yeah, Owen is very sweaty. Well, I'm also pretty sweaty. Yeah, this walk up here is pretty intense. Man, I can't believe it's episode five. We're like yeah, halfway to a hundred. Man, I can't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't a maths podcast, <laughs> but uh, it's good to be here. We're talking about Twilight again. Breaking Dawn Part 1, which is the fourth entry into the Twilight series. Yes, so fourth one, yeah. This is the second last Twilight discussion we're going to have. So buckle in. Potentially. Yes. There might be... Uh, you never know. Something's in the works for uh, a potential Part 6. We're always hustling. I'm not reading before anyone th- starts thinking I'm the one reading that fucking book. <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah. We have a background. We've got uh, scholars working in the background to talk about We've that. We've got a few experts negotiating to come on. Experts. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, Children of Man, Land of Lost, recommended films for for this week if you uh, if you watch them, and uh, then we'll take some listener questions. I'm gonna have to decide by the end of this episode what film I want to do for next next time because I'm not 100 percent sure. Ah uh, yeah, we should figure it out in the in the. Uh, well, we go for on the way. It's all about the we'll journey. Talk, we'll talk about it at the end. It's all about the journey. It depends on how dark we go because I don't. <laughs> I got dark one. We go on this. Yeah, how dark we go in this episode? Okay. With the uh, with Children of Man and Land of Lost. Our uh, land of loss is pretty like, intense. I got two. I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> but uh, I got two films that, judging by the end of this episode, I'll decide whether or not the people are ready. Shit. How <laughs> <laughs> okay. you been? Uh, uh, I've been grand, you know. What can you do when you live in the shoe that is Dublin? Uh, you know. Do you watch anything lo- besides Land of Lost and Children of Men? Uh, yeah, I watched uh, Scarface. Rewatched Scarface. Haven't seen that. It's pretty intense. It's a very good movie, though. I'm be on a big uh, Al Pacino buzz. Great actor. All his movies are pretty crazy. Well, is um dog? Uh, what's that film called? Dogs Afternoon. Dog- yeah, Dogs Day Afternoon. Yeah. Is that a movie? Uh, I feel like it is. I but I could have had that wrong. If you look it up, if you put like watch online on, on into Google, you'll find it straight away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like most Bleep things. Bleep that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on one of those like websites where like you think you you don't have to like download some, like some sort of like. Uh, adware to maybe get the movie yeah, but it's like yeah, on one of those yeah. sites where you go in and straight away they have like a player that just plays the like HD movie they're automatically the they're the best they're ones. great finds rough gems they're easy the best ones yeah um as you watch from side Scarface uh not much not much yeah what's oh, La Haine La Haine La Haine La Haine on a Friday yeah Friday mm. was it Friday yeah Friday it's on a movie yeah yeah have you seen mm. that yeah maybe we watched it in French no I I did we? No, no, we didn't watch that. Do we not? No, we watched um Oh, we watched the one with the he's like in a wheelchair. What? He's in a wheelchair. Yeah, what? there's a guy in a wheelchair. We were in the same French class, weren't we? Yeah. Latin. Didn't we want did we not watch that in like Oh, are you thinking of um Uh what the fuck? Uh Les and Touchy Buzz. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. With the with the the dude in the wheelchair and the black guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's no Lahane. That's when we watched that's when we watched uh, yeah, Les and Touchy Buzz. That's Whopper. Yeah, I, I saw it. That's a good feel feel good film. Yeah. Um I saw La N A is going to school. Man, it is I think too high, maybe. class. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Your man from uh Irreversible's in it as well. <laughs> He's in every French movie. Uh what the fuck? Vincent Yeah, something something I can't remember his name. Yeah, some French name. He's good though. Yeah, he's a king. He is, oh man. There's so many good parts. What's the? Well. It's about the the city and all that stuff. Yeah, it's about like it's kind of like um, 
it's like uh, the ghettos. The, yeah, basically like the ghettos outside of Paris, and um, these three dudes just floating about, more or less, is basically just a day in the life for them. Mm. Um, but uh, there's like police uh, riots and stuff going on, and uh, just like dealing about stuff like that, and like the different the car all the characters have like kind of like a different philosophy for like how they're dealing with it. So mm. like Vincent's character, he just wants to, he's like, I'm ready to shoot, I'm ready to kill a cop to get back, like. They kill one of us. I'm killing one of them. Mm. Then the uh, the younger dude. Oh man, I can't remember his name. No, I can't remember his name. He, mm. I can't remember the other two's name at all. <clears throat> Even though their names are uh, their actors' names, like it's. I'm pretty sure they just play their actual names. Oh right, yeah. Like Vincent, whatever his name is, plays <laughs> Vincent. Pretty <laughs> look of his name. Yeah. Doing the services. Yeah, I'm doing a disservice. <laughs> Am I editing? <laughs> no, it's not. I'm still not. Fuck that. Um, and then the other two dudes, they have like different philosophies and like the like the kind of like Middle Eastern guy mm. he's uh, he's kind of younger and he doesn't really doesn't really give a fuck like basically and yeah. then uh, the older fella is just like nah you gotta you need to kind of work to get out of this situation more or less is basically what it boils down to alright it's a good film though you directed that's a very good question mm. I have a fucking clue <laughs> I have no idea <laughs> I don't know anything with this film I just watched it all I know is like I just know the um, the mirror scene did you ever see that Mm, I got nah. a, like uh, uh it's like I Vincent's like um it. he's like brushing his teeth or like he's talking to himself in the mirror and uh, it's like done from behind and then it's like zooming up and like basically it's coming up from behind him and you can see him like talking to himself in the mirror and he's brushing his teeth and then he bends down to like spit out and uh, the camera goes right up and then it's Vincent looks up and he's like still talking but you can't see the camera at all. Oh, right. The way that they did it was that uh they had like um a body double like copy him yeah, yeah and then they just zoomed up and he was like in a cutout oh okay but it's really really well done mm. it's a un- oh man there's so many good shots of this film oh mm. it's beautiful it's such a good film black and white black and white though very yeah and beautiful like really effective black and white mm. which kind of adds to maybe the themes of the movie the as well not everything is black and white oh shit um, and also it just starts with like a bunch of um, like a montage of uh, like the riots and stuff like that mm. Uh Matthew Kasowitz was the director. Never heard of him. That was a fucking butcher. <laughs> okay, so we got Vincent Cassell. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, Hubert Conde and Saeed Tagmoy. I cannot pronounce that last name. Uh, oh, director of Amelie, I think. Oh, one of them. Oh, wait, no. He was an actor in that. Wait. Because on his INDB, it says Amelie, Nino, whatever. And yeah. then Lahane, young skinhead, even though he's the director, <laughs> he's credited firstly as young skinhead when it's on his IMDb instead of the director of Lahane. What? Which is really weird. Lahane. Lahane. No, he hasn't done, he has done fuck all. Mm. He did Babylon AD. Do you what know the that film? Uh, I remember seeing that film. I remember, no, hearing about the film. It's a fucking Vin Diesel film. Oh, it's absolute shite. Vinny. Um, all the Vinnies. Vinny Jones. Yeah. But, uh, good actor though. I said I watched, I watched, Watched a bunch of anime. What, was what anime did you watch? I'm watching My Hero Academia. Good shit. Okay. Still more come out to that. Um, and then I watched a Tarkovsky film. Oh, nice. Have you ever watched one? I have not. I haven't got around to it now. Man. It's because uh, he's all about the stillness, isn't he? He's not very it, stimulating to right. watch. So like, not to sound like a fucking arsehole, right? Here we go. Well, that's what this <laughs> is all to about, like to be fair. an artsy fucking arsehole, right? Yeah. But... This film is fucking boring and it's arty and it's slow, but I really, really liked it. Like, really, really liked it. it yeah. Like, um, 
it's just a very very slow quiet movie and it's beautifully shot oh my god what's it about it is about a family um a dad a son a mom two uh, a daughter as well their mate who's a doctor and the like postman that comes in and like two of the servants that work in the the mom and dad's house mm. and uh basically the dad's like for the first like 20 minutes or 30 minutes it's like spouting on about philosophy about like what the world means and like he it comes at one point where it's just like um words 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 what do they matter and shit like that shit. which is basically tarkovsky's whole philosophy summed up <laughs> yeah and um he then uh they go back to the gaff and it's your man's birthday and uh then world war three is basically about to break out and the dad does makes like a plea with god and then he goes off to like please don't destroy the world, like, give up everything. And uh, and he goes off, has sex with a witch, and then comes back. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, it's it, yeah. <laughs> and the then... Uh, he saves the world? Then the gaff burns down, basically. Yeah, well, the world doesn't end, so, yeah, yeah. he did. But uh, it was Tarkovsky's last film. He died the year that it was released. Oh, uh, 80s. And, um, it is... Uh, it's about a dad leaving everything to his son, mm. talking about everything he built and whatnot. And he's talking about how... Um, what is it that they say? A gift can't be given without a sacrifice, is what they say in the film. Oh, right. So, and he, at the end, Tarkovsky dedicated the film to his son. Oh, right. So, I feel like a lot of it is to do with Tarkovsky. But mm. um, I, I watched a video about uh, Tarkovsky um, afterwards, because I was like, I was like, what the fuck did this mean? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. I enjoyed it, but I have no idea what it meant. And um, basically, Tarkovsky's whole philosophy is like, don't look into it too much. It's more about feelings. It's not, there's no, not everything has a meaning. I it's about the vibes. It's about the vibes, yeah. So I was just like, okay, cool. I can enjoy this film entirely now because I know there's no deeper meaning that mm. I have to like read into and stuff like that. It's just kind of, it is what it is. You it know? is what it is, yeah. So it goes. Sounds like a Russian godfather. He's been compared to uh, Stanley Kubrick. A Russian Stanley Kubrick. A Russian Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. I suppose. I don't know really why. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've seen like a couple of her- Kubrick films. Mm. The sacrifice is nothing like them <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't really compare. I haven't seen Big T. I was thinking of a uh, Full Metal Alchemist. I don't know, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Alchemist. Another great, another great anime. Another great anime. <laughs> but uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, yeah. Was it similar? Or similarly shot or no, vibes? Not, not even. I was just thinking about it. Oh, right. I was thinking about like that's a great movie. The first half movie. is great. I think. I think it's I all really great. I like the last, the second half of the it's film. It's about the duality of man. I know. I know. But I also didn't enjoy it as much. Mm. I still think it's a great film. I think mm. it's like literally like one of the best films ever made. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's enjoyed the first half way more than the second half. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, I think they go well together. But it's definitely a big contrast. It I is think. a huge. I think the the contrast is like such a a jar. Because mm. it's a jar. <laughs> That's a mad jar. That's a mad jar. Yeah, but I think it's a. Uh, I think it works. You know, Kubrick. He yeah. knew what he was doing. You know, he's a he was a crazy guy. He he knew what was and up. And he's a mad fucker. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen all the films, so I really need to. I haven't seen Barry Lyndon. I haven't seen, seen Barry Lyndon, and I haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut, and I haven't seen 2001 either. 2001, yeah, that thing is so fucking boring. <laughs> What's a great movie. Great <laughs> movie. Actually, sorry, that's yeah. probably why Tarkovsky's uh, called it. Yeah, because his films are boring. <laughs> his films are boring, yeah. But like, I, I imagine it's just just because of 2001 that he's yeah. like compared to... It's like meditative. Because they're not like... Like, the way that they shoot their films is entirely different. And their yeah. stories are completely different. Like, Tarkovsky films are slow. Mm. Fuck all happens in them. But I, like, was, I was actually reading uh, there the other day. There was this book I was reading where it, he compares the horror of uh, of Stalker 
I haven't seen Newstalker now. I really want to watch that film. Yeah. Did you hear what happened to that film? No. The original version got burnt when they were uh, processing it, so they had to reshoot the film. Oh, it worked out pretty well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Can, can well, I think still talk about it. There's still like bits in the film though that are from the original uh, reel or something. It's something like that. It got mm. burnt anyway, and they had to redo it. Yeah, but yeah, this guy was talking about uh, the horror of like Stalker, where there's uh, they don't see the aliens. There's like they're, they're about 2001 and Stalker. They're both about aliens basically, yeah. but the humans don't see it. And it's comparing sort of a uh, Tarkovsky with the uh, uh, Kubrick's idea. Where like Tarkovsky is just like completely sort of removed from the situation, and it's more about humans and spirituality and how humans think about it. Yeah, he's, whereas, he's, he's very he's very religious. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Kubrick is like, uh, it's about it's more about the whole, or the uh, the fact that the aliens are there but they can't see them. It's more about how the humans experience this absence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something to do with that. Uh, but it was a, it was a pretty compelling uh, comparison that I saw between them. Even though I haven't seen Stalker, I have to watch Stalker. I definitely have to see Stalker. Yeah. Stalker's on Channel Four. I think on the, uh, all four, like all four, is it whopper? It was for a while. Yeah, Man, channel or all four is a fucking whopper service. Mm. And it's free. It is it's great. As a just a few ads, but you know what? They're like a minute. Mm. Even uh, less of some most of the time. That's how I used to watch Ali G and Phone Jacker and stuff like that. <laughs> used to watch oh, them. Oh man, I was thinking about phone. What the fuck were we talking about? Phone Jacker. Yeah, we're talking about Face Jack and Phone Jacker. That's what it was. But yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely want to watch more Tarkovsky films, like, mm. especially because he is like five films or six films oh no he didn't have a very long career but I'm definitely never going to watch that film Andrea Rublev Rublev that thing's nearly four hours it's about a priest isn't it yeah it's about like a priest or an architect fuck that I'm never going to ever ever going to watch that watch Barry Lyndon it's like three hours fuck that I'm not watching that you know what's bar- man? I was watching scar- I was watching <laughs> Sacrifice right? I was like alright this is like an hour and a half fine yeah. like, I was lying down and I was like man Nothing's really happened. I feel like this film's only over. I looked at yeah. it's two and a half hours long. Yeah. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. That's what I was thinking because I was watching Scarface and I had, I had this idea in my head because it's on Netflix and I had this idea that's about an hour and a half long. I don't know why I, why I did that. Yeah. yeah. It's I, like, I think I saw, I, I must have seen like a different film. You know, they have like the running time beneath the title. Yeah, yeah, I must yeah. have seen a different movie. But I got about an hour, an hour and a half in. I was like, oh, it's maybe nearly over maybe. And it's just, it's like an hour and like two minutes left and I was like, oh, Fuck, it's yeah, like, it's nearly three hour long. Film. Yeah, yeah, it's it's way, uh, Scarface is actually is a bit too long in my opinion. It just goes on for ages. Did you it's think? Like a, um, sorry, go on. Nah, uh, it's just it was a bit. It could have been a lot shorter, I think. But I think it was going for that sort of ex- excess, especially with the eighties vibe and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this whole American dream thing, it's like it has to be, you know, excessive in every way. Did you think that uh, Irishman was too long? I didn't watch Irishman, but it looks was it three and a half hours long? There's no reason yeah. for a movie to be that long. A movie should be max two hours long. If you're going over that, it should be an all-time great movie. <laughs> you're wasting people's time otherwise. Man, Inception is two and a half hours long. It's a good movie, though. It sort of justifies it. I don't know how, though. I don't know where the time yeah, goes. Actually, yeah, actually, yeah. It goes by yeah. so quickly. That's the thing, yeah. There's like an art to like pacing. And a lot of films, if you if you don't have good pacing, you can be like 90 minutes or you can be like three hours long. There's a bit. It's there's going to be rubbish either way. There was a bit in La Haine where I was like, man, this is kind of dragging on. Mm. And it's only an hour and a half as well. I was like, this is kind of boring. Mm, yeah, But definitely. then I picked up again, but I was like, ooh, just for like like 10 minute stretch, which in an hour and a half film, and film 10 minutes is a long fucking a time. Lot, yeah, like, yeah. You can't fuck around with 10 minutes. And yeah, that's it's like 10% of the movie. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I can't do the math of that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe 11%. It's, yeah, because uh, 90 minutes. Yeah, whatever. Channel Mr. Brophy here. There you go. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Irishman, uh, when I watched that, like, we watched it uh, Christmas Eve. Mm. Had my family, we all sat down and watched it. 
and uh, my man's friend and her husband stayed with us as well and um everyone fell asleep except for i was the only person that stayed up oh, for fuck. the entire thing yeah uh and i enjoyed it the most out of everyone so that's probably what like that was clearly it was good yeah oh, yeah it is good yeah it's, yeah it's yeah. good like you know it's grand like it's good yeah, but i yeah. do it it is a bit long but um i don't know i thought i thought i'd like managing it mostly mostly mm. i wasn't bored really yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just, he keeps going. Yeah, Scorsese, he's a good guy. He's reliable. He's pretty reliable. Reliable guy, you know? I don't know what he's directed. Like, Silence. Silence, did he? Is that him? Yeah, yeah. No. That was a good film. Uh, Actually, Departed. Man, Departed's that was very way, good. That was waste. Well, Silence is way slower than ours, man. Holy shit. Still good, though, but my God. Yeah, oh, it's called Silence. Like, mm. Yeah, no, uh, Departed. I've only seen the film once. It's pretty good. I didn't really think much of it when I watched it, though. Have you ever seen Gangs of, London, or Gangs of uh, New York? Nope. I think that film is shite. Buffalo Bill. Boil and hot take. I think that film is shite. Yeah, I've heard I've heard mixed reviews. I don't think it's a very good film. Daniel Day Lewis. I think you know what? Here's another boiling hot take. Daniel Lewis is fucking shite as well. Oh no, he's not. Did you ever see uh There Will Be Blood? Yeah, yeah. Whopper and that. Yeah, he's a great actor, but like people are like, Oh, he's a obviously he's one of the best actors ever. But like his films are also like they're acting movies. Yeah, they're, you watch it. This you watch a movie. If you're watching a movie to watch the acting, it's like, what's that? Like, what's that about? Oh man! You know, what's the was, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. I don't. Yeah. Like Lincoln, he was in Lincoln. Yeah. Who, who watched? That. Who watched Lincoln to see? You know, to to Ooh, watch to a movie. Appreciate the acting yeah. form. Fuck yeah, that. yeah. To watch a Steven Spielberg movie about Abraham Lincoln. Like we know what's gonna. This movie's gonna be about what's gonna what's gonna happen in it. You know what the vibe's gonna be. It's just people watched it to see Daniel Day Lewis act. Basically. Yeah, no, I can't. Yeah, a, f- a f- fucking. Although I was gonna say like an actor can't really pull up a film by themselves, but you know what? In my opinion, Joaquin Phoenix really helped uh, Joker quite a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, know. he was involved from the start and as well. Like, there's no other actor I think that could yeah, pull. Yeah, his up performance I think is like the. There's main no other actor that could pull that off that that line at the end. It's like uh, where he's talking to Murray on the talk show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where he's complaining about himself. Any other actor saying those lines and it just sounds awful, but with him saying it, it just it sort of rolls off the back. It's like, it doesn't, it goes with the character. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah. the exact line, something about, uh, complaining about uh, Thomas Wayne and stuff like that. I was just like, um, oh, what do you get when you mm. leave a mentally disturbed person by themselves? You get exactly what you fucking deserve or some shit like that. Yeah, which is like the main line in the movie, but it's a terrible line. It's very poor. It's like just a bad line. It's so on the nose. <laughs> it's so on the nose, yeah. The film is so on the nose. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's just, how long is that film? Like two hours? It's, it's like an two hour, hours, yeah. It's like an hour and a half of this fucking... Arthur Fletcher getting the shit kicked out of him by society, yeah. and then it's like, oh, see? <laughs> Look what happens. Look what happens. He goes Joker mode. But, uh, yeah. How did we get to that film? Oh, Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. He yeah. was going to direct Joker as well. He was. He yeah, did yeah, yeah. Man, That's a good loop there. Good loop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We did it ourselves. Yeah, yeah the subconsciously. Flow. Yeah. Flow yeah. Of podcasting. But King of Comedy, uh, Scorsese, he did that as well. Amazing movie. Very, and very good. And Driver Whopper films. Amazing. Very good. Better Jokers than Joker. Yeah, very true. Um, shall we move on to one of the... It's time to get to the meat. The meat. Yeah. Um, Twilight. Breaking Down, part one. I promised last week I was going to do both of them, but I'm sorry. just didn't. Do, I couldn't do it after this <laughs> film. This film, was, this film fucking broke me. This film was too much. How long is this movie? Two hours. Two hours. Length. They're all two hours. Oh. Every single one of them is two hours. All but right. this one broke me. Because it's the worst one. <laughs> mm. um, now, I noticed as well, after because I, I was taking down my points on the film, you know, my ups and my downs, whatever, and I was like, man, 
these could easily just be the reverse. So this is equally. This could easily be the worst film, but it could also be the best film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I watched it as well. I watched it on Thursday or Friday, and uh, it's the first Twilight movie I've seen in a while. But I actually enjoyed it, Loki. I think it was. I didn't mind it. I'm really disappointed by this film. <laughs> Do you know why? why? The main fucking reason. What? Man, the bed breaking scene is so disappointing. Oh yeah, I actually, he, I called that out when it happened. I actually, thought, I thought he like fucked the bed down. That's not what he does. He just rips it down with his hands. Yeah, I yeah. I was so disappointed. That was so grim. I thought like I thought there'd be more uh, too. I thought there'd be more like I don't know more of a spectacle. Man, it just sort of it just sort of breaks. It's like oh, it's like yeah. It's not like a wow. It's like a. Ugh. It's like, it's a, like oh. I feel like I could have done that. It's like yeah, accidentally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, oh man, thanks, Jake. <laughs> thanks, uh, Edward. I can actually do that. <laughs> yeah, it's not some like impressive moment. It's like it's like he ruined. It's like it's like a ruined the moment or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I had this idea like, that it was like I thought that, like the bed was gonna collapse, but mm. now he just like pulls down the fucking headboard. Basically, yeah. man, that was easy, such a letdown. Easy. Such a fucking letdown. <laughs> I was so annoyed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I watched I, the whole series waiting for this moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I hate the fact that like they they go to that uh, that island that island and they have that like holiday home and stuff like that and they just they make a mess after they have sex and like they uh, Bella and, and uh, Edward just walk away and he's like the cleaners can take care of that and they get these like two like rich like, assholes these two yeah these two natives to come in like clean up after them but then at the end they're in a hurry whatever's whatever's going on and uh, Edward's running around the room at like light speed picking everything up. It's like he did that on purpose, just to, yeah. just just despite the cleaners. I was like, he yeah. could easily clean up like that. No yeah, fucking yeah. butter. Yeah. Lightning quick. Bad out, Edward. He's a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> We're cancelling Edward Cullen. Although having said that, uh, I fucking loved. I right. So the start of this movie, I was like, hell fucking yes, this is what I want. When it's revealed that Edward was like a superhero in past life, you know the way he was like. Like when he he wanted to go off and hunt, so he's killing murderers and rapists. Oh yeah, I was like, and he's conflicted about he's it. He's conflicted. It's like, yeah. man, they're fucking, they're evil people. Just do it. Go on. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. There's a there's, there's, there's a bit of justice right there that you killed them. Mm, there's, <laughs> but, uh, there's clearly some sort of subterranean line going from the Twilight movies into the modern day Batman movie 2021. Edward Cullen was Batman. Are you telling me that this... <laughs> <laughs> that would be so good. Imagine. Batman, the new Batman is just a prequel to Twilight. Oh my God, that would be so fucking good. And he becomes good. a vampire. He's a, he's a Batman. This all makes sense. It actually does. Who's directing the new Batman film? Christopher Reeves. I think. Christopher or Matt Reeves. Reeves. Get onto us. Christopher Reeves, rest we know, in peace. We know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> we found you out. Well, yeah, that, that whole bit was fucking gas. And then I thought the... Uh, the... Um, the wedding scene, like with the speeches, genuinely laughed. I actually funny. did laugh. Yeah. That the was fucking gas. Even the editing was pretty. Yeah, was the funny. editing yeah. was spot on yeah, as yeah. well. The editing was so good. It's like coming in between Charlie's, like, I have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a police officer. I know how to do it. Yeah. Um, also, finally, Charlie admits that he's hot. He says it in the film. It is canon. Charlie Swan is fucking hot. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and That's I'm the fucking, promo for this episode. That is, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I am so fucking... Eventually, after four films, and they finally admit the that Charlie's hot. <laughs> um, however, yeah, after that, uh, the wedding scene, I think the film goes downhill real quick. Because we immediately what get happens? Jacob and uh, mm. Bella. And his incel army. Oh, my God, man. That th- that scene where like, he's, like, freaking out over that they're going to start having sex. Like, but Edward and Bella are going to have yeah, sex yeah. while she's still a human. Mm. And he's just like, he'll kill you. He's like, shut the 
fuck up, Jacob. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so that, cringy. That, it's it's actually pathetic. Like Jake's basically like Edward's better at sex than me. It's like it this is, is so yeah. <laughs> it, it, it actually no, it is it's, fucking it's pathetic. pathetic. Like it's it's yeah, sad. It is. It's sad. But it's like that's such such a Jacob thing though. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so 100%. funny. He's such a he's such a loser. Like he's such a fucking but you loser. feel from also you know even though he's like he's so petulant and he's always like he's always like that he's always like he's creasing mad. his brow he's, he's always mad yeah yeah he's like you're like 17 relax you know yeah that's the thing as well Bella's like 18 in this film I thought yeah. they aged a bit more and I, was, I thought that the first film mm. like that new moon took place like a year or so after the first film no 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 they're only happening like a week apart yeah this entire series happens in about two months I don't think it's two months but it's, <laughs> it is something like that. it's like a year or something it's like a summer like yeah it's, yeah, yeah. it's like a year it's so yeah, weird it's crazy yeah but uh, yeah, Jacob is just so fucking annoying. Like he's like there was he was just annoying as fuck in this film. Um, and like the way he's like talking about them is like really fucking weird. Like mm. um, do you see when um he rats them out to uh his pack? He tells them that uh, Edward and Bella are gonna have sex, and his, his pack mobilizes. Oh yeah, but I don't think that's uh, I think that's just him thinking about it because they're all uh. Yeah, all the connected. They're all yeah, connected, yeah. so they can hear each other's thoughts. So he's just thinking about that, and then mm. they're all just hearing about it. I don't understand why they didn't hear beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it's like because he's he's like in emotional oh. anguish. You know, it's like a, ver- a very emotional moment. Wait, no, I think it's um, I actually think it's that uh, you have to be in wolf form to do that because oh, right. when uh, I think that's what it is. I think you have to be in wolf form to mm. to do that. I don't think you can do that when you're when yeah. you're not a wolf. He summons his incel army to reclaim Bella's honor. You know. Yeah. He's like, a fucking dickhead throughout the entire film. Yeah, but uh, even that bit where like um he's sitting on the beach. Do you remember that bit? And he's talking to the brother and the sister wolves. Oh yeah. And he's yeah. just like, oh, he's just like kind of jealous over the like the older wolves that like they all imprinted on their real girlfriend. Oh yeah. And he's just and he's just like, you can't be happy when you're with one other person. Like, oh, fuck off, Jacob. You literally <laughs> want to do that. You're just pissed off because you can't do yeah, that with yeah. Bella. Yeah, yeah, but then there's like. Before the big battle's about to start, he's it's like him against the rest of the pack because he's he's taking Bella's side and they're yeah, yeah. they're trying to come in and uh, he's becoming an alpha male more. He, yeah, he's trying to assert himself, but he's it's just him by himself. But then his his mate Seth and his sister or something come in and try to help him. And he's like, "Go away!" He's like, "This is just it's all about him. Like yeah, everything everything's about me." He's uh, like, "He's such a white knight." Even when um, we're skipping ahead a bit, but when uh, Bella's like about to give birth, she's like on her deathbed as a human, like she has a vampire inside her. And she's like, her body is like breaking from the inside, and she, her belly is like massive, and uh, she's gone, and she's about to die. And Edward's or uh, Jacob's just there on the on the the sofa, and uh, she's like really cold, and he leans over and like tries yeah, to, to spoon her. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's all about him. Like, it's, it's, it's like <laughs> she's literally oh, about I, to die. Yeah, because I was watching, when I was watching this with Isabel, Isabel was just like shouting, like shouting, just give her a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're cold. Oh, so weird. Oh no, it is so fucking weird. He's such yeah. a little fucking weirdo in the film. He's so annoying. <laughs> I just found him fucking annoying throughout the entire thing. But um, oh yeah, no, that whole um, that baby stuff was fucking Fucked weird. Up. Fucked up. I did not enjoy. Mm. The, no, I'm not even talking about the imprinting stuff, which is the last. Oh no, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the baby. Yeah, well, the baby's fucked up. Like no, just the whole um, do you know that Stephanie Myers is a Mormon? Yeah, I sort of figure. It. I think I read that before. So uh, when she's talking about uh the whole abortion thing everyone is like really aggressive over like wanting her to get in a, like to get rid of it yeah and there's like it's gonna fucking kill you and they, they just keep referring to it as it and you're yeah. meant to be like 
oh guys come on like <laughs> like it's a she it's a she yeah. it's bella it's bella's it, baby whatever like Bellissima. it's really um really obvious what uh it's mad on the nose it is mad on the nose yeah like yeah because they're, they're like really like just they're basically saying like let's rip it out of her and stuff like that like they're being really violent over it mm. which i think is like very uncomfortable to watch it's just like this is so yeah. like who the fuck is talking like that like over yeah. like getting like an abortion like it's so weird especially because like bella clearly doesn't w- wants to have the kid and everyone's like mm. no do it and even like jacob was just like basically calling her a fucking idiot for it <laughs> which like it's like <laughs> like jacob is still uh, jacob is actually easily the worst thing in this film he is such a fucking asshole yeah, yeah. and he had an imprint on the fucking baby yeah, which is just the worst that's the worst part that that's cgi un- baby oh my fucking god but like the th- it's in in the film it's sort of explained as like or it's portrayed as if he's gonna be her buddy or whatever he's gonna like he's like it's like a companion sort of thing like he's just imprinting on her the way like a wolf would like imprint on it i don't know it's owner or something or like it's mm. it's mate or it's friend but like he's he's in that go back to the beach scene he's sitting at the beach and everyone they're all just sitting there spooning and like kissing and stuff like that and he's like he's like uh people have imprinted change afterwards yeah. and stuff like that see i think it wouldn't be as weird if Stephanie Meyer wrote it in a way that imprinting didn't mean that you were wasn't fucking, sexual, yeah, if you, yeah. Didn't, if you weren't having sex, that would have been great. Mm. If, if you imprinted like that, like mm. two, like two dudes imprinting and they're just mates, yeah, exactly, yeah, like that, yeah. Or like two, I don't know, two dudes can imp- can uh, imprint and they can fuck. <laughs> I don't care, but you know what I'm saying, like, yeah, or like yeah, boy and yeah. girl, they imprint and it's like, oh yeah, they're just mates, like yeah, that kind of yeah. shit. But mm. all the imprinting is just relationship wise, just sexual. So it is fucked because mm. he walks because it's 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 at the uh, Bella's after dying. And everyone's fucking in bitch. Everyone's really sad. And he won't take the man. That yeah, annoyed yeah. me as well. That like Bella is literally dying, mm. and he's like telling uh, Edward to hurry up and like turn into a vampire. But he won't take the fucking baby off Edward. So Edward's standing there with the baby. He's like, <laughs> I can't do anything because <laughs> he'd kill it. That's the thing. Because he's like, he's enraged. Everyone's in bitch. Everyone's sad. And Jacob like snaps and he runs into the into the the house. He's like, I'm gonna kill the baby. And it's he's with like Alice or something. And she turns around and she's just holding a new. No, it's a. Uh, it's the blonde haired girl. Yeah, yeah. Is, whatever her name is. And she's, like, she's just holding a ba- like a newborn baby and he just like he's like he has like hearts in his eyes and shit. Man, and he imprints CGI, straight away. That's he's baby, baby is disgusting. That baby is vile. Yeah, yeah. Get that I, thing away I from I know me. what the animatronic baby looks like as well in part two. That looks fucked as well. Yeah, yeah. I I can't wait to watch that to see like in film. Um yeah, mostly most of my points are pretty negative about this film, but I will say uh right. You know that scene when Edward uh, can hear the baby, and he's talk, he's telling Bella what the baby's thinking and all. No, do you remember that bit? No, I don't remember. It's a bit where, like, she's talking to Edward, and Edward can hear the baby's thoughts because you know he's like he can hear thoughts. He's psychic. And uh, he's like, "Oh, he loves you." Like, I don't know why they just assumed it's a he, but anyway, it's like, mm. "Oh, yeah, he loves you." It's like a plot twist, actually, a baby girl. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, they're there talking, and uh, he's like, "Oh, yeah, he loves you," and all this stuff like that. And I was like, man, look, like genuinely, that's a sweet moment. And it's the first form of bonding that they've had in four fucking films. Yeah, that's yeah. the only form of actual bonding that they've had is in this moment. And it's only sweet because it's like, oh, yeah, you're hearing your own baby, mm. your unborn baby's thoughts. Yeah, and it's, how it's, like, it loves you. it's sort of unclear how they fall in love or like what their love is based on. They, they just, no they just sort of, it's, they basically just imprint on each other. It's like, it's like a werewolf. Yeah. It's like yeah. what Jacob's doing. It's basically completely I mean, Edward, random. Edward falls for her because he can't hear her thoughts, I guess. 
Yeah. And she just falls for him because he's hot. Wait, why why can't they hear her thoughts again? That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing in the new moon as well, where like all the vamp- all the vampires are trying their oh their okay. ability on her and they just don't work. Yeah. Like, you know the you know that small uh, girl vampire and she can like she can just hurt you with her mind basically. She tries mm. that on uh, Bella and it doesn't work. And the main Volturi dude, whatever the fuck his name is, he comes in and he can't uh, know everything about her. Mm. But for some reason, Alice can still see yeah, Alice's future. Make any it sense, doesn't make any yeah. sense, Mary. <laughs> it just makes no sense. Yeah, it is. It's a bit weird. It's, uh, but I liked it. I, I think I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Nah, man. The whole abortion stuff, the imprinting stuff, and just yeah, Jacob as a whole just pissed me off so much. Jake- and I was disappointed by the bread-breaking scene. <laughs> the bread-breaking what? The bed-breaking. Oh, the bed-breaking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's bad, yeah. But I, I don't know. I liked it. Maybe it's just the fact that I haven't seen Twilight movie aside from this in about man, 10 years. Eclipse. Eclipse is the best one. No, nah, oh, man. I know what Eclipse is about. I've seen I've, <laughs> I've seen Vampire Suck. I don't know what to It's like, oh. But um, ah, that's all right. Like, I like this, the fight scene at the end where it's like the werewolves versus the vampires. Man, I couldn't see that properly. I don't know if it was my TV or something, but like, that, that was really dark. I couldn't see anything. I thought it saw it pretty, pretty well. I think it's about... I mean, if the CGI was better, it'd be so much better as well. Yeah, the CGI is bad. The thing with the wolves as well. I remember you said something about the fact that the werewolves are just wolves. It really annoyed me during this one. Yeah, this it's movie. so annoying, <laughs> it's isn't so it? Shit. I wish they were proper werewolves. Yeah, I was saying to Orla, I was like, why are they just wolves? And she's like, it doesn't really make any yeah, sense. Yeah, it's such a letdown. It yeah. is such a letdown. Because, like, man, imagine, like, cause they, and especially because they transform so quickly. Yeah. Like, they're like, man, that bit, like, is a new, yeah, it's a new moon where, like, Jacob jumps and he just turns into a, a wolf and then he lands onto the ground mm. and he's just ready to fight. I love, like, um, I love the slow build-up. Like, you know, like... Um, Werewolf in London. Yes, yeah, like American yeah, Werewolf yeah. in London, like the Wolfman and stuff like that, where like, yeah. it's like painful yeah, to go yeah. to. It's a, yeah, it's like a transition. But there's yeah. like nothing to them. It's no bother. They're just, just turning. There's morph, yeah. I think actually New Moon would have been better if we got the scene where Jacob is turning into a... Like, the first that we actually see from his perspective, him actually turning. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. These films are really weird the way that, like, we don't get... Uh, like, we get, like, the Volturi's perspective... But then everything else is just from, like, Bella's perspective, and we don't find anything else out. Yeah, yeah. Which is just, like, the way they switch in these films between those two. Yeah. It's a bit weird. Because the books are in first person, so it's all from Bella's perspective. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes way more sense now. Mm. I'll allow it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, like, the most obvious self-insert, like, story of all time, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, though, do you want to hear my, uh, the overall ranking, so? Yeah, stick on the ranking. Um. So, right, first up. Edward being the superhero, Charlie being he's hot, and uh, the speeches at the wedding scene, they're all three points, right? They're all one up. Yeah. It's a five out of five film. However, Jacob immediately brings this film down with how he starts <laughs> talking about them fucking. That just brings it down. Yeah. And then when they actually do fuck, the bed breaking, that's another point down because yeah. that was just such a disappointment. And then Jacob brings this film down again because he's just being it's a fucking bastard. whiny asshole throughout the entire film. So... Jacob alone takes two points out of this film. So then all the abortion stuff then as well. Another point. So we're at two out of five now. Mm. Um, then I give a point for the Edward and Bella scene because that was genuinely sweet and the only form of bonding that they've had mm-hmm. for films. So we're at three. However, Jacob then takes that point away <laughs> because he imprints on the baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's ruining everything in this. He just ruins it. <laughs> um, however... I thought that the CGI baby was fucking hilarious. Yeah. I could not stop laughing. It was so fucking weird. So I gave a film a point for that. <laughs> what? The film doesn't get a point for the CGI it baby. Does. 
It gets the point, man. It gets the point. Jesus. Um, and then I took the last point off uh, for the music. The music in this film is fucking awful. What's the music? Oh, it's just tween comedy music. Uh, so this film, uh, overall, unfortunately, it's a it's a two out of five. Um, two out of sad five. Jacob faces. Two imprints <laughs> out of five. Oh, well. <laughs> That's better. Yeah, two that. paw prints out of five. Two sad Jacob faces. We need some better. No, than yeah, that. no. We'll do the two imprints. Two imprints out of five. Two, two imprints Jesus out of five. Jesus, that's, that's is that the lowest Twilight movie so far? Uh, yeah, no, it is. Yeah, this is the worst one. But I kind of knew that as well because, like, man, part ones are always shite. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're yeah. always bad. Like, is there any fucking? Is there any one that's Godfather part one? But that's that's, that's just count, that's just yeah. a movie. Yeah. That yeah no that's incredible. <laughs> 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 uh, like there's no part ones like where like they split something up and uh, when it was originally two parts two three parts. parts. But yeah. Yeah, that's it. Dis- breaking down part one, shite. Disappointing, disappointing. I was disappointed, man, because like the yeah. start is so good. Mm. Like, man, hot. I like because they thought that uh, wedding speech scene genuinely is really good. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's two parts that, like. That is genuinely funny, and then Bella and Edward with the baby yeah. talking genuinely sweet. That they're two, the first two genuinely good good boys in this entire series. Entire series, yeah, yeah. But it's the worst film. Speaking of uh, CGI babies, actually, that's good. Um, <laughs> I'm wait to come back. There's a Children of Men, our uh, our recommended film for the week. There's a CGI baby that shows up at the end of that. Yeah, there is. Spoiler alert, obviously. Yeah. Considering what it's about, it's a uh, set in a. Uh, the near future, 2027, uh, where humanity hasn't, uh, no one's been able to produce babies for the last 18 years, and uh, uh, the world has sort of fallen into chaos with no future. Uh, Britain has devolved into like a uh, a fascist police state in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like rounding up refugees and like sending them off to camps. Basically, the the whole world's like falling apart, and uh, they're dealing with the fact that they've no no future to look forward to. Like, it's a uh, a lot going on in this film, really. Oh, man. This a lot is going so on. so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very uh, thematically deep, philosophically deep. Uh, way ahead of its time as well. Oh, my God. This yeah. came out 2006. 2006. It's, it's a, Ridiculous. It's almost like it's worthy of analysis as like a, a cultural artifact like in itself. The fact that it, it's from 2006, but that's 14 years ago. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't feel like it. It's, no, it, even, it doesn't at all. Even the way it looks, it looks like a film that was released like yesterday. This but, film yeah. has some of the best long takes I have ever fucking seen. Like I don't know, they're not. I don't think they are proper long takes, but you know, like the end of the film. Yeah, yeah. That's so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. When he's like continuous, r- yeah, yeah, running in and he's like hiding away from like explosions going on. He's running. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, oh man, that's so good. And there's no cuts as well. Mm. I assume there were cuts. And they like CGI yeah, them together, but that's like, what oh, it's yeah. so fucking good. Yeah, it's like the context is massive for that as well because released two thousand six. Uh, he actually Quaran, the director Alfonso Quaran, I think it is. Yeah, Alfonso Quaran. Yeah, he, uh, he originally wasn't going to direct it, but he changed his mind after nine uh, eleven. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he thought we were we were living in the future now, like things are like st- things have changed. Like that's like the main marker for the twenty first century, and uh, so the, the Iraq War happens after that, and you have all this like all this footage, all this like sort of stylized depictions of what's going on over there how war works and then this film basically goes against all of that it's like an anti an anti it's anti-war but like it negates war itself it's like it puts you right there in the battlefield yeah. and it's, it's really it's like stressful to be there and it's like it's bleak and it's like it's not fun and there's no catharsis really like he doesn't there's people he like fights with and there's like he's like a there's a guy who's after him 
the main character Theo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't kill him. Like this guy just dies randomly. He just gets blown up at one point. Yeah. I don't know. I just it's sort of how war works. It's just completely pitiless and senseless. You know. That uh, you know the thing in this film as well where Quran uh, he took like famous photos of war and mm. recreated them in the film. Yeah, yeah. So there's a bit where. Uh, Clive Owen's character is like walking past like a woman holding like her son like he's like in his 20s or whatever but like her son uh, and she's like crying and the the camera just like lingers on her for like three seconds and like moves on but that's like recreating a very famous photo mm. of uh, from the Balkans I think it is yeah. the Balkans yeah, yeah. of uh, a woman doing the exact same thing like there's constantly shots like that mm. there's like ties to like concentration camp like imagery as well yeah definitely yeah with like all the the camp mm. uh, the, the the immigrants being locked away in like cages and stuff like that yeah like all through the film it's like it's basically focused on theo yeah and the main characters but every now and then like at the end of like a, a take the camera will wander off and it'll just show, sort of show the background yeah, yeah like yeah. Uh, people in cages or like uh guards like telling people to, to move on or uh, or that, that someone getting that, beat up and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Or that, or that that image of the the mother holding her son. It's a visually rich. Ah, yeah. Yeah, and a uh, beautiful film. Yeah, a yeah. Beautifully shot film. Yeah, it was actually it was very informed by uh, Slavo Zizek. Yeah, the man himself. Big b- big guy himself. The big lad. The rock yeah. star communist. Yeah, or yeah. Rock star Marxist. The the Elvis of uh, critical theory, as they say. But um, <clears throat> it is something like that though. Didn't yeah, say something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Quran like read Zizek's work to like inform his outlook to inform the film and he features in like the special features on the dvd but he basically analyzes the film in the dvd it talks about how it's it's like it sort of inverts the the convention of like the individual character or the the film happens through the main character yeah it's but the opposite he, but he's not the it's like he's not the pushing force yeah. in the film he's just a, like he's just a guy are, things are happening he has no him. real control over what's happening yeah yeah that he's just trying to get from point a to point b and that's kind of that's all that he's trying to do. But everything mm. that happens in the film is stuff that happens around him. Yeah, the situation channels through him rather yeah. than him like imposing himself on the situation. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. just like she just talk, talks about how uh, all the action really happens in the background. Like you, you don't really it doesn't really matter what he, what Theo is doing. It's like what what's yeah, happening in you're not, behind yeah, him. You know, you're not even yeah. And that's why the the camera lingers on things because the mm. story is really going on in the background of the film, as opposed to following Theo. Yeah, definitely. Man, this film is so good. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. Ah, uh, it's very, uh, you know, it's it's fashionable these days to like point to a film and say, "Oh, this is ahead of its time." This predicted this or whatever. But this is the kind of film where like that reach is sort of worth it. Ah, a hundred percent. Especially like watching this in a a post Brexit world, it is. It's because this is set in uh, in England, and the way that the English are treating immigrants in this film. Kind of how they wish they were treating immigrants in real life, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a hyper stylized. It's like a it's just like a quintessential post nine eleven film, really. It's not really specific to anything. Like people talk about, like you see like Trump in it or like Brexit or uh, the pandemic even or the recession, and it's basically all of these things together. But yeah. like it's all contained within one sort of epoch, which is the time after the war on terror, the time after the fall of you know communism and stuff like that. This sort of crazy period we're in where things seem like they're really unstable but at the same time they're completely stagnated nothing changes mm-hmm. the film itself is like hasn't dated at all it seems as if watching the film just looking at the the way it's shot and the themes that like nothing has changed in the past 14 years no that's, even like that's the even thing, the special like, effects are grand yeah they're perfect yeah they're all, they're all 
because most of it's practical effects. The first one. It looks like it anyway. Yeah, the first main main sequence where uh, the the bomb goes off in the coffee shop and he's outside. That's so good. Yeah, that was shot. Such a good opening. That was shot two weeks after the the London bombings in two thousand in two thousand four five. Jesus. Yeah, so they had to wait. They're gonna film it like I think the week of, and then they had to delay it for a bit, obviously not to, to spoon yeah, yeah, people because yeah. it was it was a real. It was like a practical effect, and it, was, it happened on a real London street, and they didn't want to freak people out. Mm. So it was already predicting things that were happening before it was even made. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's such a weird movie. I yeah. love uh, one of my favorite sequences in it as well is um, when they're in the car, and the camera's just spinning around, like kind of like focusing. I don't know where the camera actually is in the car. I assume it's like in the in like the the handbrake kind of area. When, I they're, when they're attacked. Yes, yeah, and it's yeah. like looking in the back and then it's like going up to them and then it's like moving around or whatever and then you just see the car and like, oh shit, back up, back up, back up and then just hell breaks loose mm. and it's all one take again. Yeah, it's yeah. It's all incredibly choreographed, mm. incredibly well done, one it's take. so realistic as well. So realistic. That's that's the thing with the one take, you don't, you feel like you're there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's why the war scenes are so much more... Uh, more intense because yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. But there's a... Even like the reference to the guy, the the son in her mother's arms. That's a reference to another th- or a, a sculpture, La Pieta, which is a, a depiction of uh, Jesus Christ in Mary's arms after he's died. That's what I was thinking of. Not mm. the the Balkan War. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, Mary. but yeah. The, pi- the picture itself is a reference to La Pieta. It's like it was taken in that. Oh in that really? Style. Yeah. Oh yeah. shit. But that's what Quran said in an interview. But uh, they mentioned La Pieta in the film as well. There's you know the point where Theo goes to his cousin, the minister, to get. The transit papers. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he goes to like Battersea Power Station, which has become like a, a weird kind of like art gallery. Yeah, for the rich. Yeah, yeah. And he mentioned the, the minister goes, oh, we tried to get Lapieta, but they blew it up or something. Yeah. And so the, it's like the Battersea Power Station, but has like Michelangelo's David, uh, Guernica by Picasso, and... Uh, the Pink Floyd Pig. Yeah, the Pink Floyd Pig. All these like artistic icons are completely removed from context. The fact that they're just they're sort of sitting there, like they've no meaning anymore. Stagnant. Mm. Uh, T.S. Eliot is a big thing in the in the film. Yeah, the as well. wasteland. I think the film the ends wasteland, yeah. ends with a quote from the wasteland. Yeah, shanty, shanty, shanty. Yeah, yeah. but uh, there's also like an element of like Eliot as a critic as well because Eliot was uh, a main thinker in new criticism. He wrote a lot about how tradition informs the present, how like artists relate to tradition, how tradition is always being recreated. Yeah, stuff like that. So these artifacts, these art pieces, are just sitting stationary, completely removed, stripped of all meaning, all context. Uh, because they're never going to have a new interpretation. Like, they've finished being interpreted. So yeah, they no is over. Yeah, yeah. Meaning is finished. And that's, that's how it plays out with the, the world at large. There's no meaning. There's no reason to continue yeah, on. there's no future because... Mm. And that's the whole thing is like, oh, yeah, the youngest person in the world has been, has has been killed. Died, yeah. Has been uh, killed because he wouldn't give an autograph. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the reason yeah, why he baby, got... Yeah, baby, baby Diego, yeah. He gets stabbed because he... Uh, or do he get stabbed? Get, it doesn't matter. He gets killed he gets, by yeah, someone yeah. because he didn't give a, f- a fucking autograph. So you killed the youngest person in the world. Yeah. Even uh, like the Michael, I man, the Michael Caine character. He's 10 great. Out of 10. He's, he's a king. Yeah. Great. Jasper. Yeah. Jasper is great. And the wife as well. The fact that she's got, she got Alzheimer's or something. I think she's just like in stasis. Like yeah. She's a uh, she's in yeah, like a fugue state. Stasis. Like yeah, else yeah, exactly. Film. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's uh-huh. like because that's what I was thinking. Like Alzheimer's are like forgetting the past where there's no more future and stuff like that yeah same thing or something like that but yeah she's like in a stasis where like she's not aware really of whatever is going on going on around her yeah. and uh there's nothing for her there's nothing past the 
present moment, basically. Yeah, yeah. And she can't even imagine where the future is. She can't move. Mm. She can't do anything. She's stagnant. Yeah, like, yeah. the world at large and as culturally the world at large and stuff like that. There's so many layers to this. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the whole thing is... Very apt that we're drinking wine while we're talking about this. Absolutely. <laughs> I can feel my accent getting more refined. Yes. Very but, uh, much so, Mark. Yes. <laughs> but uh, the whole thing is where he's like, Theo, this like bureaucratic office worker is like tasked with this. He's abducted by this terrorist group, which is run by his former partner. And they yeah. used to be they used to be uh, activists and they, they uh, rallied against the Iraq war. Like there's there's a part where they pan through Jasper's gaff and there's pictures of him and Theo and his wife or his partner or whatever. And like uh, there's like stickers saying like Belier and like bush bush out and all this stuff so it's about like after the iraq war even to himself just like fucking gave up he was like this is like this is going nowhere Pointless. yeah yeah and he's crushed he's like he's so because his, uh, his kid died yeah his kid died as well so he's like his kid died in 2008 from the the flu pandemic which is also you know weird. how do they predict that yeah, that's weird. a bit weird it's as a well flu pandemic that's and going then, on and then the following year 2009 people stopped giving birth to children so he's experiencing it personally and on like a global level as well Man, imagine if COVID did that. Imagine if COVID caused yeah, people yeah, to stop yeah. giving birth. Jesus. That's a, this is set in 2027. And so far, a lot of what happens in the movie sort of matches up with real life. Yeah, so, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. It's fucking weird. It is weird. Especially because now, it's like, before you, you sort of, say like 2012, you sort of know where things are going. Like, you could sort of imagine 2020. Like, maybe it's futuristic, whatever. Like, could we imagine 2030 right now? Oh it's my like, God. You know? no, man, I can't imagine yeah. 2024. 20, I can't imagine that. You don't know what's going to happen next year, you know? So it's sort of a maybe an indication that things are starting to move again. That things are like there's no more stagnation. Yeah, the history is moving, beginning to move forward again. Like Zizek says in the extra features, he says uh, the true infertility is a lack of meaningful historical experience. Yes, they don't feel as if they're in history anymore. They've they've removed themselves, or they've been removed by some force from the story that they tell themselves. Mm-hmm. So they're all alienated. They're all like completely devoid of like any sort of uh, direction in life. And that's sort of maybe where we've been for the past 20 years. Yeah. And, uh, 100%, yeah. Well, it all ties into this nifty little book called Capitalist Realism by Mark Fisher. Great guy. Here we go. Uh, there's not much to say about this because I don't, I like, it is. It's, it's such a short book as well. That we, very, very short book. Yeah. It's really, it's one of those movies, or it's one of those books that like, it's like a must read, I think. I'd recommend everyone read it. Hundred percent. It's really, really Man, easy to read as well. The language is so simple. This uh, this episode won't come out in two weeks. I'm literally going to spend the whole two weeks trying to find a resource for people to find this book and read it. Yeah. I'm also gonna. It's it's I'm definitely free online. Check uh, the Twitter at paro underscore pod because I will it. retweet a 15 minute long video about the book, which mm. kind of summarizes the general ideas of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Just like. The book is so short, but you, you look for resources online and things are like, it's pretty long. Like, you, you just have like, Mark Fisher uh, lecture four hours long. It's like, I'm not going to fucking watch yeah, that. Yeah, I found a 15 minute long video, which is perfect. Yeah, but uh, it's like, it's really easy, really like nice little short book. It literally starts off with a quotation from Children of Men and an analysis. And uh, just sort of talking about how it's uh, an allegory for ideas. It's the death of ideas. The uh, cessation of children being born, like the end of fertility is more like, the end of fertility ideologically speaking so uh he sort of relates it back to about the 90s and like 91 uh after the collapse of the wall yeah, uh, yeah. so we're sort of like stuck in this echo chamber where things are just we're like stuck in a pot a pot that's boiling and there's like there's no way out and things are like eventually gonna arise to a point where it's just gonna erupt and things will like will evaporate into gas or whatever you know right now we're in a stasis 
of ideas of like creativity and children man symbolizes this uh very sort of on the nose yeah in, in terms of like sexual reproduction yeah. but the film doesn't have any sex in it it's like that's the whole point there's no romance yeah even like it's uh what's the girl's name key key like yeah. we she just shows up and she's pregnant yeah that's the thing yeah even that even that image where is it when teal finds her and he, she he finds that she's pregnant she she's among uh, a bunch of sheep is it she's in a barn it's mary and joseph yeah oh yeah mm. i was thinking like sheep as like i was thinking sheep in the terms of like uh god as well but yeah no they're yeah, in a the, barn the yeah the <laughs> yeah it's, it's very very <laughs> yeah yeah there's a massive christian allegory here like the the terrorist group's called the fishes and there's like this, the symbol of the fish is like in graffiti as he walk as he walks around the, the war zone, and uh, she she brings him to the barn, and she's like uh, she reveals that she's pregnant, and he goes Jesus Christ, and the rest yeah. of them come in and they're like oh should he know about this and they're like yeah, yeah, yeah whatever, and someone goes oh it's a miracle in it and I was like yeah that uh that like nanny character is very <laughs> very on the nose of her like religious ideas of about yeah she starts like summoning uh, the angel Gabriel she's at one um, point. Yeah, she's like doing like voodoo or some shit around it as well. She's like, yeah, it's just Christianity. Yeah, it's not Christianity. She's doing like Buddhism and stuff like that as well, though. It's not voodoo, but like it's like I think Buddhism. It's like, it's like Jasper's sort of like hippie yeah. thing, spirituality. Like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I was uh, the one of the things as well that um, Mark Fisher talks about is that uh, history seemed to have peaked with the win of liberalism and like capitalism. Try back to episode two when I was talking about that as well. God, that was a bad episode. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about that episode. Um, but uh, that idea that, uh, like, when like communism was defeated, capitalism re- reigned supreme. Yeah, so that's where yeah. you get stagnation then, because there's nothing. There's nothing to defeat. What, there's there's, there's what, no what externality. Else, what is there to do mm. for capitalism except for use resources? Yeah, that's the thing. It it turns inward. Yeah. You know, there's a whole different thing we can go into there, but it's basically you reach a point where if you colonized everything that's available to be colonized. That's what hap- what's happening in Children of Men. You can't go further forward in time. There's no generation going to come after you. Yeah, there's so no th- point so th- building something because yeah. no one's going to be there to inhabit it. Yeah, so things like became like a terminal recession inward. And there's like nativism and uh, the whole thing about against refugees and the fact that they turn to sort of a fascist sort of fascistic sort of uh, arrangement. That's what it is. It's, just, it's, re- it's re- re- returning inward. Even that thing as well, because like you get the climate my- basically... It's not climate migrants in this, but England is seen, or like the UK is seen as like a safe haven. So all the refugees are fleeing to there from like the Middle East. Yeah, there's an Irish refugee in one of the camps. It's like, God damn. Yeah, God damn. <laughs> oh, he's looking there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that uh, that is like similar to like the migrant crisis now where because of climate change. Climate change, yeah. Because of yeah. Capitalist, capitalism using up resources. All this serious. Causing greenhouse gases that people have to flee where they're from because mm. it's being flooded or civil wars are breaking out there because they can't get food and uh, how they're all fleeing from these countries to get to somewhere safe such as britain where they become more right-wing more fascist in the way that they view things mm. like well definitely more nativist yeah definitely. definitely more definitely way more right-wing definitely, definitely closer to children of men on a children of men scale definitely closer than we were 14 years ago you know yeah so Ahead of his time, in that sense. Because that, that was a Labour government back then, wasn't it? It was Tony Blair in charge yep. and all that stuff. That bastard. That he did this. But, um, yeah, it is uh, it is a very compelling movie. Yeah. And I found it very uh, ahead of his time. Bit it's of a cliche. It's so fucking... Oh, man. Like, yeah. It's so well shot. I think 
for me, like when I'm watching a film on a first view, and like normally that's like the second or third view, and where like those like the hidden meanings kind of like start to spur up. Mm. But like the first time I watched this film, I was just blown away by the set pieces and by mm. how it's shot, the writing, whatever. Like kind of took like a backseat because of like how well the film is put together yeah there's no exposition either which is great no exposition yeah, it whatsoever. just sort of happens it's literally mm. you need to get her to hear go that's yeah. it that's all the exposition that you need yeah. oh it turns out she's pregnant that's it go yeah there's loads of stuff that's left out from it's based on the book there's loads of stuff that's left out which they sort of did on purpose there's a lot about the administration like how in, how britain is actually run it's never really addressed in the in the movie it's just more about Theo's journey itself uh, rather than expounding upon like how they got into this place or like why even why there's there's no more children like it's never addressed it, just, it doesn't matter that's the point they don't know either it's just it doesn't matter yeah that's there's the just point. no more kids they haven't they yeah. don't know why They're, all women are just sterile that's it yeah even if it did happen like it doesn't really matter why why it happened it's like this is bad what do you what do Any, we do you yeah know? especially because like, if they gave a reason for it it would just be shit yeah, like yeah. there's no there's no like it was like oh yeah the flu changed their the hormones whatever it's like someone would try and pick a flaw on it but if you just mm. ignore it it's like when we we're talking about in the last episode with like star wars and stuff like that if you you don't need to explain it if it's happening you don't really need to explain it yeah yeah let let the viewer fill it in yeah you know or just ignore it altogether but uh i like at the end as well there's a they escape spoiler alert they escape uh and they get on the boat and uh, the whole point is he's trying to bring her to it's called the human project yeah and they have a, a facility in the Azores where they're they're trying to, to solve the problem of infertility. And uh, the whole point is they're supposed to meet this ship that represents the human project. The Ark. The Ark, yeah, yeah. On like a, beside like a, a buoy, like out uh, off the coast from this refugee camp. And they sail off like into the mist, go on this little rickety boat. They don't even know it's going to be there. Like they've no reliable information that they're, they're, like, yeah, they're that this even like exists. It will be there. Yeah, yeah. They just have but an no, idea. Sure. There's not even someone that says, "Oh, this will be there." They're just like they have a belief. We, we think, yeah, fate. And they go out and they're sitting around, and he's dying, and she's sitting there like pregnant. And then the 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 boat shows up. She's not pregnant. She's given. She got. Oh yeah, she yeah, she gave birth. Yeah. Um, we get the weird CGI baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a much better CGI baby than Twilight. Though. Oh my god, yeah, that's, is that's it? the thing. What that's the weird. Yeah, it that is. Is. It's so much better. But it's like six years before Twilight. But anyway, yeah, the boat shows up, and the boat is called Tomorrow, which is future, the future, and that's the whole point. It's like Tomorrow has arrived through the mist, based entirely on faith. Mark Fisher talks about it in uh, Capitalist Realism. There's a quote talking about how the end of fertility is like a negative miracle like no one knows how it came about it doesn't matter how it came about but it's a bad thing basically and the only way to get out of it is just like a senseless Keep moving forward a senseless belief that another like a positive miracle will happen and that's what happens at the end of the movie they go into the mist they've no idea what's beyond there they've no logical reason to believe that they'll like find salvation but then tomorrow arrives and that's the end of the movie Man, you keep making me enjoy things more. It's amazing. By telling me the shit. Yeah. Like, Will I read the, the full quote? Yeah, if you want. Yeah, go ahead. All right, I'll just read it anyway. You made me enjoy Crown Love 49 more. You made me enjoy Climax more. Man, you're a good man to have on a podcast. Yeah, I enjoy having a we podcast need this. too. Mar- <laughs> yeah, it's all about Mara Fisherman. Uh, what caused the catastrophe to occur? Who knows? Its cause lies long in the past, so absolutely, absolutely detached from the present as to seem like the caprice of a malign being, a negative miracle, a malediction which no penitence can ameliorate. Such a blight can only be eased by an intervention that can no more be anticipated than was the onset of the curse in the first place. 
Action is pointless. Only senseless hope makes sense. That's yeah. like the second page, I think, of capitalist realism. But yeah, that's that's what the movie's about, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you can, if you want to like learn more about it, like basically, I don't know, I haven't finished uh, capitalist realism yet. I'm like halfway through because I'm reading that and something else. Um, but uh, it does uh, does he go back to cap or to children and men later on in the book? Oh no, no. Oh you yeah. Mo- so you just read on. the first like three pages, and that's you gotta keep moving forward, man. It's all the stuff mm. about capitalist realism yeah. or about uh, children and men. But uh, yeah, no man, that's mm. such a good book. It is such a good book. It's like short and sweet. It's it's not like a political book either. Yeah, it's more it's about not. ideas. It's just it's, about it's about ideas and yeah. relating it back to. That's why, uh, like, we both love Zizek for this reason because he talks about these huge ideas that are really hard to understand, but talks about them through film, mm. which is so much more easy which everyone to understand. Can get, yeah. Everyone can get. Mm. It's like the which they live bit. It's like oh yeah, mm. he puts on the sunglasses, therefore seeing the ideology, ideology around him, yeah. all that type of stuff. Mm. So fucking smart. Which is why this film is probably so good because he was like yeah. an, an advisor on it. Basically, he made it more easy to like understand these huge concepts mm. and stuff like that. Will I give the quote? Which quote about end of the world thing? Oh yeah, yeah. It is easier to imagine the end of the world than a world without capitalism. That's Zizek it. said that, and someone else also said that as well. And Mark Frederick Fisher. Jameson, yeah, yeah, all Jameson, the guys. yeah. Which is so true. Which is also in this film where like, it's mm. literally the end of the world, but uh, they don't switch it up. Theo, Theo's in a fucking coffee shop in the start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's in a Starbucks. <laughs> he gets blown up. He's in a Starbucks buying coffee. Mm. He's engaging. Money is still a thing in this world. Yeah, but that's that. Yeah, it's like the slow march, the slow death march of uh, of this hellish world we live in. No, no. But the film is like it's like so low key hopeful. It is so no, it is a hopeful mm. film. Like everything's okay. In it's all about hope. Yeah, yeah. All everything's gonna be okay. In well, Don't. like it's not everything's okay, but like. A lot of people died. There's hope. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people a lot died. Of, a lot of people died. The whole world didn't die though. <laughs> mm, but there's a lot of hope. I think the uh, the credits end and like the sound of children's laughter starts. Oh, starts that's good. There's a there's also like a really, really good. there's a really good scene where uh, it's in the middle of the war zone and he's looking for for Key and her baby and he's like going up this this level of this uh, this high rise is being like bombed that's being like destroyed by the military at the ground level and. Uh, He's going up and he sort of hears like a faint cry and it gets louder and louder. And the further he goes up the high rise, the more like reverent people are. Like people are yeah, like people kneeling are, yeah. and they're like and crying praying. and they're like Jesus Christ and stuff. They're like cursing and stuff like that. Yeah, and, uh, and he takes the baby out. Yeah, he takes her out and he just walks through this, war, this active war zone and everyone's silent and looking down at this, this at like... this baby. Yeah, at this like Jesus symbol. Jesus is born. At this symbol of a new world and they're like, in, this, in an instant, things have completely changed. And, and it's the, not the, even like people are like, that's fake. People are like, that's that's real. That's a baby. Yeah, yeah. It's like a religious thing almost. Yeah, everyone freezes mm. and stops. The, and the, looks. Mi- the miracle has happened, and things have changed. And they're thinking, even themselves, they're like, things will be there different for hope. me. For me, after this, yeah, it's a very very good scene. It's yeah. It's oh man, the whole film is so good. Even the start, like the whole world construction as well, is so realistic because it's so grounded mm. in like 2006. What the idea of like future is there's some things like um the the guards uh, the guard <laughs> the guard are going around <laughs> and they're like high-tech suits and stuff like that which is you know that's not like you know, well i mean we're seven away seven years away from that so maybe but um that uh like that's a bit like more high-tech and like the car is a bit more high-tech and stuff like that but beyond the cars and like the clothes that like the military are wearing everything else is like grounded in reality right now as well yeah, yeah. like there's nothing it, it's pretty realistic. There's That's what nothing... I was saying. It could have been released yesterday. And it could be about 2020 instead of... It would obviously be a, like a science fiction movie about 2020, but it's, it seems like 
it, you watch it and it feels like this isn't too far away. Yeah. Not, not that it's going to happen, but like couldn't be that far away, you know? Yeah, it's, mm. yeah. You can like feel like the tensions in our you world. You can imagine that it could happen. No, but you can feel the tensions in our world now that would result in that. Yeah, yeah. You can see, you can definitely see a scenario where this would happen. Yeah. Well, not the thing about the babies, but like yeah, but in like general. it could be something else. It could be like yeah, whatever, climate yeah. change happens, and then this is why because it's a very murky mm. film as well. Very gray, very gray film. Mm. So you know, Aaron, I hope you're okay in that gray little in that gray city that yeah, you're living at the moment. Actually, man. Yeah, shit, yeah, it's almost similar, you know. Yeah, that's weird. Also, for people that don't know, we're talking about uh, Aaron <laughs> is uh, in Vancouver at the moment. Shout the out to Aaron. Uh, not a f- not a friend of the podcast, a brother of the podcast. He's an honorary member, actually. And uh, he just never appeared. Sent us a couple of uh, Snapchats of uh, the fires in California that have the smoke of it have spread up to Vancouver. Mm. But yeah, that what Aaron saw in Vancouver is basically all of London That's what's and, gonna like, happen. or whatever around in this film. Mm. But yeah. So how does this film tie into uh, Land of the Lost? Well, in a theoretical sense, because I know that we're going through the whirlpool now. We're going. Th- we're stepping through the whoop. Whirlpool. Oh my god, but where am I? Oh my god, what the <laughs> oh, fuck? Sh- Shit, is that a dinosaur? <laughs> a little feral. <laughs> <laughs> We're going through the tachyon amplifier. But uh, so there's a scene, Ch- Children of Men, where they have the, the art pieces, and it's mentioned in capitalist realism, where like these art pieces are just sort of removed of all context. They're just sitting there. They're just like, they're just artifacts, basically. And they've no meaning. And they're, they're just sort of commodified. Yeah, I'm not right. Yeah. That's it's a, like a museum. It's such but, an interesting scene in the film, because like, there's no one there to see this art afterwards, but this guy's just hoarding all of it. Yeah, well, that's because how, he wants it. That's basically. how it works. That's how it works now. Like he, he mentions in the in the book about the British Museum in London, like all those all those artifacts just sitting there, and like they've no meaning anymore because there's no one around to no one in the British Museum derives any meaning from the artifacts there. They're just collections yeah. from the British Empire. But uh, in Children of Men, like they have these like art like Guernica and David, and the the flying pig. But it's it's like a, a small scale sort of allegory for like the wider thing. Like people walk around like ideologies, feelings, just like uh, political systems have no meaning anymore. They're just sort of artifacts, like completely denuded of all context or or relevance to actual reality. And this ties into Land of the Lost because in Land of the Lost, it tells the tale of a, a guy called Rick Marshall, based on the nineteen eighties uh, TV series. A guy called Rick Marshall. And he's like a like a, a crank sort of a, a physicist or something. And he creates this thing called a tachyon amplifier. And he... he, uh, he Tachyons tr- are real things as well. Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson taught, taught us that, I think. Yeah. yeah. Tachyons are actual particles that seemingly move backwards in time. So the film is a space-time vortex sucks scientist Rick Marshall, his assistant Holly, and survivalist Will into a world populated by dinosaurs and painfully slow creatures called slee stacks. With few resources at their disposal, Rick, Holly, and Will must rely on their only ally, a primate named Chaka, to survive long enough to figure out the way home. So they arrive through this vortex, Holly, Will, and Rick, and they arrive, Rick Marshall describes it as stepping sideways in time. He's not traveling forward or backwards, it's sideways. It's a a different dimension. Connected to time, but time is not... It's like angular to our dimension, our reality. And so he steps into, they appear in this desert, this like sort of wasteland that's like nowhere but like somewhere at the same time. Yeah. It's like, it's like constantly sunny and uh, there's like dunes off in the distance, but also you have like, uh, I said the Golden Gate Bridge is like somewhere off on the horizon. There's like Cadillacs, like 
perched on there's ridges. Hotels, there's, there's motels. There's a motel. Like swimming pools. There's a motel. Like, there's yeah. airplanes. Yeah, it's a motel like half sunk in the in There's the a Hummer. Yeah. The Wall Street Journal said that uh, this film isn't worth the celluloid it's printed on. President of Universe, Universal Pictures said uh, this film was just crap. Uh, and the creators of the original show deemed Land of Lost one of the worst films ever made. It was also one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. Man, right. It's not a great film, but I don't think it's that bad. That's the thing. This is a, this is not only is this like a good movie, this is a serious movie worthy of serious study. This is like this is It has been studied. This is a good movie. There's something in this movie, yeah. I think. I think anyway, I think as well. Because when I was watching it, it right, besides all the like the Will Ferrell shite that's in the film, which, you know, some of it does make me laugh, admittedly. Um there is something going on in this film. The fact that like these people have to go back and not they're not even going back in time, they're going sideways in time. And they're talk they have to the way that they survive is talking to primitive a primitive human in a world where there's dinosaurs and there's artifacts of our world and the future as well. Mm. There's something going on there. Yeah, definitely. The fact that they're sitting there, there's all these artifacts. It is a bit of a reach, but this is this is a meta film. This is something else. This is like a film within a film. This is a film about uh, our present world. We are in the land of the lost. This is what the land of the lost is. We're living in the land of the lost. The fact that the creators hate this so much is is a testament to how good this movie is. Because this movie is like, you know, the the TV show is like a kid friendly sort of like. Yeah, the TV show is Rick Marshall's the dad, and the other two are mm. his his daughter and his son. Yeah, and they go. It's like a sort of. A family adventure thing, and it's mm-hmm. like kid friendly, sort of. But this isn't. This is very. Like, this is just. Though. This is just. Yeah, they have like sexual innu- innuendos, and it's like stoner humor and stuff like that. But well, I think most of the reason why people think this film is shit is, um, oh my god, I can't believe we're doing this again for the second week. What the fuck is your man's name? Oh, the, Danny McBride. Thank you, Danny McBride. I am so sorry, Danny McBride. He's I a great will, actor. I will learn your name. I think most of the reason why people, do, like critics and stuff, didn't like this film is because of. Um, Danny McBride's character. He's a very raunchy character. He just straight up says rotten things. <laughs> but, That's the um, best part of the movie. But Roger Ebert, very highly yeah, yeah, yeah. highly acclaimed film critic, gave this film a three out of four. He loved this for movie, some reason. Yeah. He gave he did stuff in fours, but anyway, three out of four. He mm. like he liked this film. Yeah, yeah. But like this film, like they say, it's like a it's it's already basically a parody. It's like you know Starsky and Hutch with uh, yeah. Almost and Ben Stiller. Yeah, it's yeah. like a parody of Starsky and Hutch from the the eighties, whatever. This film is a parody of Land of the Lost, but people see it as like a failure in the sense that it doesn't accurately represent the TV show. But I think it's a completely different thing altogether. Like as well as like Lampoon in the TV show, it transcends the TV show altogether, creates an entirely different sort of like postmodern hyperspace where the TV show itself becomes part of the Land of the Lost. And so the T Rick Marshall, <laughs> I can't believe how po- he's how on like, different levels in this thing. How much you into this? <laughs> I'm just saying this film is amazing. I don't get why people didn't like this movie. I don't get like not like let alone like what you're talking about. I don't get why people didn't like this film anyway. But there is um, it's funny. It is funny. The part where like he's like I'd never trust a guy in a tunic after they just like seen the, the alien. It's like <laughs> that's good. Or yeah. like uh, yeah, there's a, there's other different parts. I just yeah. can't remember. What <laughs> but um. There's loads of bits. Yeah. Even like the fact that like uh, he's like, oh, the dinosaur has like the brain of a walnut and it just fucks a massive walnut at him. Yeah, like yeah. a huge walnut. It's like, yeah. what is this? Like, oh my God, it's a walnut. Yeah. I think Roger Ebert even mentioned the sort of meta aspect of it. Like he talks about how like the dinosaurs, did, yeah. the dinosaurs are really bad CGI and the actors yeah. look like they don't even see it. But yeah, like, that's the he, thing he, well. says, he says people see this as a failure and he sees it as like an intentional thing 
Like the actors yeah, knew about they're, this. They're not. It's like they're aware that they're not in danger because it's a film. Well, not that's a film, but it's like it's it's a piss take movie. Yeah, they, and it's, like, it's, it's like a meta the, movie. The actors, like the characters themselves, know that they're in a film and know that they're not in any real danger. Mm. Like, because they're never scared. They're never scared at all. When and he does that, that, uh, that whole thing as well, like they're not running that quickly either. They're kind of jogging <laughs> at the end when he's battling the T Rex. Like he rolls to get the uh, to get the spear, get the spear, so and he good. fails. But like, there's no sense that the dinosaurs like moving Lunging in on him. It's just like. There's clearly a film where like it's it's uh, taking the piss out of other films, but in like a weird like Land of Lost is such a, it's such a cool idea, yeah, it and is. it ties into the whole thing with uh, stasis and the fact that we're living in a world where uh, these objects yeah, are o- without their meaning. Yeah, objects have completely removed from context. They just sort of exist and float around. And humans themselves have also done that as well. Yeah, well, I think even the, even in the fact that like the characters, like say the characters know they're in a film, even today we we exist in a whatever you want to call it, hyper-reality or like... Uh, hyper-reality. Yeah, yeah, to get a bit technical. But we exist in a world where people watch movies and people want to relive movies. People people think they're the, the main character in their movie, you know. That's that's how it works, you know. We're all in a movie. It ties into everything. Especially when, like, uh, in the terms of, like, social media and stuff like that, some people are saying things wanting to become famous from what they're saying Yeah. and wanting to become viral from what they're saying that we're all aware that we're, like... We're all on stage. Yeah, We're exactly, all in yeah. a film where people can see us at any moment and talk to us and interact with us and like us and not like us, even though they have no idea who the fuck we are. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so much so much that's said today or these days is said with the idea that there's an audience. Like people act as if they're in a movie. Yeah. Because movies and reality are like so sort of mixed together these days. You know, maybe movies are meaningless, but so is like... You know, according to so is reality. So is reality, bro. It's like according to the sort of Fisherist analysis of how art works. So is, it sort of matches into reality as well. You know. Yeah. But uh, Land of Lost is. I think it's good. It's a good. It's a good. I funny like that movie. bit as well where he's on the talk show. Matt Lauer, yeah. 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 It's like, yeah. Matt Lauer can suck it. Yeah, he goes on at the end as well. Like that's that's just sort of an example of how meta it is. Like it's even aware. And even remember they go into like Enix Lair or whatever, like a different dimension off from the land of the lost. Yeah. And uh, he goes, yeah, yes, we saw the Matt Lauer video too in this dimension. It's like it's like it's it's obviously a pit. Like it's yeah. Like yeah, Matt, yeah, yeah. The Matt Lauer show has transcended all these different dimensions. It's so, clear, like, something's gone like. so viral that people in other dimensions yeah. are seeing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's fucking gas. Yeah. Oh, I think it's a great movie. Man, I really hope that my fucking my Instagram selfie didn't go viral <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> or viral di- interdimensionally. Yeah, Enix saw it. What a good film, though. Yeah, it's a great movie. Will Ferrell. He gets a lot of hate, but you know what? He's got some fucking bangers. Step Brothers is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Other Guys is one of my favorite movies of all time. Other Guys is... Other guys oh my god, Other Guys is so, so fucking funny. good. So many great moments. I love it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, been no, I'd, le- I'd never laugh so much in the theater at uh, Other Guys. Which point? Oh, when they jumped off the roof, aim for the bushes, because <laughs> yeah. no one was expecting that. I saw it like w- within a week of it being released, it's and everyone's so like, "Good!" Everyone's like, "What?" <laughs> that is so it good. It was amazing. No one was expecting it. My mom and my dad only watched uh, other guys did her did a week mm. for the first time, and uh, I came down like halfway through, and they're like, "I was like, what do you think?" Is like, it's really fucking good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's no right to be that good. But it is. And Mark Wahlberg's amazing in it. It's like wh- he learns to, to do ballet just to make fun of another kid down yeah. the street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and then the the chief or was it Michael, Michael Keaton? Keaton's he, keeps character. Ma- he keeps making TLC references. <laughs> the bit as well where like he's like he's in like the home store or more, and yeah. he's like, oh yeah, just you know, there's a there's a rapist on like Sixth Avenue. He's like, oh shit, wrong notes because he's he's working. Unless you live on Sixth Avenue, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you live on Sixth Avenue, that's really important. You yeah. be careful. The fact that like he's a commissioner, but he's like overworked. Yeah, like, he's not, he yeah. needs to run two jobs because yeah, he, he's not making almost enough money. He, yeah, that, like that film is a great message as well. Like. There's no right to have that sort of message as well. <laughs> you know, it's about it's about financialization, and even the end credits are all about how the uh, people got conned in the uh, the Bernie Madoff scandal, like how uh, Wall Street fucked everyone over. Fucking you know? gas! How they do that? Fuck, Will Ferrell, he's like a man of the people. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's yeah, a cultural theorist. He just does so many weird fucking films, and eventually he's gonna hit some fucking doozies. I think it's that guy Adam McKay. I think he he did. He was involved. Who the fuck in, is Adam McKay? He's like the producer or the director of a lot of those movies. Uh oh yeah mm. no I think I, I do recognize that name like from a, IMDb. He works with uh, Will Ferrell a lot, but he's everything he does seems to be pretty good. But yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, I love it. And now, for the listener questions, you can ask us a question through email at uh, theparopod at gmail dot com. Or you can ask us on Instagram at Paropod. Or you can ask us at the Twitter, Mark, at Paro underscore pod. That was That's it. possibly the best uh, podcast voice ever. That's what it's all about. I really needed to focus there because last time <laughs> I tried to do it, I fucked up twice <laughs> and you had to do it instead. <laughs> um, well, it worked, it worked, it worked. Do you want to ask the the first question? Uh, the first question comes from um, uh, Aaron. Um, what's straight the... from Vancouver? <laughs> <laughs> our good man Aaron, our correspondent on the other side of the world. He asks, "What's the creepiest film out there?" Got a lot of answers for this. Fire away. Um, <clears throat> so I would say the scaredest I've ever been. In the scariest. A... The scariest I've ever been in a cinema in recent uh, years mm. um, would be Hereditary. Mm. Man, I was scared fucking shitless during that. The it's end of that scary film. Scary movie, yeah. That film terrified me, especially um, that shot where he's getting out of bed. Don't spoil it, but you know the shot that I'm talking about. Everyone's seen Hereditary. Like, this this. Some people might not have. Some people listening to this might not you have. You should have seen it already. If Wait, you wh- haven't wh- seen it, wh- watch wh- it. Which shot are you, are you talking about? When he's getting out of bed towards the end of the film and there's something in the left-hand top corner. Oh, yeah. When I noticed what was there, scared the fucking shit out of me. Mm. And then my fear sustained at that level until the very end of the film. It is a scary movie. But that film's not... um, It's not creepy, is it? It's not scary throughout the rest, like the early part of the film until then. Well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? You can't just be creepy straight off. Got a bill. I don't know. Um, or can you? Or do you, do you know? Yeah. What film? Can? What film would you say is? Uh, I don't know. I'd say Halloween. Halloween's a very creepy movie. Yeah, um, it is, and that's like creepy throughout the film as well, though. I would say. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of it is score and stuff like that. You know, I think it's that, not I, just high, like not high key. I think that's a perfect film. It's a perfect horror film for for sure. Yeah, I think that's one of the creepiest films of all time. Um. There's loads of mad old films. I know Black Christmas is is a film that's like Hail is a, an amazing horror film, but you watch it today, it's, it's like it's not that scary. Yeah, but it's, it is creepy. Midsummer, Ari Aster does those uh, good horror. 
Midsummer, Midsummer is, uh, it's not, is it creepy though? It's just sort of there's like I point. would say it's creepy because like there's something deeply wrong going on, but you're not quite sure. Same mm. with the Wicker Man. I'd say the Wicker Man's a actually a pretty creepy. Actually, creepy I completely I completely retract what I said earlier. Yeah, the Wicker Man's like stuff. Stuff like the Wicker Man is way out there it's when in terms of it's, uh, see, creepiness. Like, like dread and horror and creepy, they're like different levels. Like I love a film that's uh like dread or horrifying they're like <laughs> that's where i like to be when i'm watching a horror film mm. but creepy i'm always like hmm, a little bit creeped out but you know like i would say like <clears throat> it i don't think it is a very good film but i think like, it is pretty creepy because mm. i know that there's not any sense of immediate danger because i know that there's a sequel to this film oh yeah yeah so there's not it's not like dread or horror it's just kind of creepy Mm. Also, I don't really like it whatsoever. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Um, but yeah, I say I say the Wicker Man. Yeah. Aaron, you should have seen it. You should have come see it with us. We all saw it together. Man, Aaron refused to go. Aaron refused to go. Man, <laughs> I nearly refused to go. I because I remember when we were agreeing to go see that film in Vancouver. I was hanging. I remember you were hanging, and I was fairly fucking whacked. <laughs> 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 and uh, I, <clears throat> I was like, uh, I was, par- I was so paranoid. When you were saying like, oh, well, let's go see the new Ari Aster film. I was like, oh, what do you do? I was like, oh, oh yeah, that yeah. was Midsummer, like. Yeah, Midsummer. Wait, what were you talking Wicker about? Wicker Man. Oh, Wicker Man. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. We saw both. Yeah, we saw Wicker Man, and yeah, they did two films. We saw in cinema. I wish we did that more. We should have done more. Anyway, um, but yeah, like when we went to go see uh, Midsummer, I was so fucking scared beforehand because I was whacked. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm just gonna go green if you go see this in the cinema. Like this, this film is gonna fuck me up. Mentally, emotionally, all types, of spiritually, every single way. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. But it actually it was, wasn't. But it was it's still, uh, it's still pretty fucked. It's hard to watch. It is hard to watch. Um, The Shining. The Shining, yes, is one of the creepiest movies yes, of all time, for sure. Hundred percent, for sure. Yeah. Oh man, The Shining is so fucking good. Mm. Shining is, like, I know it's like greatest films of all time, greatest horror film of all time, deservedly so. I think it's a, a a masterpiece. I think. And mm-hmm. uh, besides that, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of course, classic. Of course, one of the great movie. One of again, I think it's on like nearly on par with Halloween in terms of uh, the aspect of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wailing. Have you seen that film? I've never seen The Wailing. It's a Korean film um, about ghosts and demons taking over land and taking over people mm. and it's a very creepy film all the way through quite a quite a scary film um it's quite a long film and in some parts it might be a bit boring but uh, i think uh, it makes up for the journey is worth it when you watch it all the way through it's a it's a good very good horror film and uh, actually right this is the last one i'm gonna throw out under the skin have you seen that film no no under the skin is Really fucking creepy. Mm. There's a lot of a uh, lot of stuff going on in that film. Might be a recommendation in the future for. She's an alien. She's an alien. It's basically Scarlett Johansson is an alien. She comes down to Earth and she's trying to lure men to her cave, basically mm. her like other dimensional realm, basically. She like lures them away to like um an all blackout room, basically, where like it looks like. There's no floor, there's no roof, there's no distance behind, there's, there's no, there's nothing. It's just like a black space, but there's like a plane that they're walking on. Um, it's a very creepy film, especially when you know that uh, 
Scarlett Johansson wasn't really well known at this stage. Um, what? 2013? Yeah. She wasn't... They went, what? She was, no, she was well known, but... Um, ah, she was famous. She, no, yeah, she was, but they went to a part of Wales... It was in like Scotland, like out of Hebrides or something. Like it was that. Wales or Scotland. I don't know where they went to, mm. but uh, she was mad famous. People didn't know who she, who she was though. Yeah, she was in makeup as well. Mm. And uh, so when you're watching the film, this adds a bit of creepiness to it. Is that when she's going around, she's acting, but some of the people that she's talking to don't know that they're being filmed. Yeah, yeah. And there are real people talking to her, and they don't know that she's acting, and she's acting in a really weird way, mm. and they're trying to like talk to her. And it just adds an extra layer of creepiness. So mm. there you go. I would say Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Under the Skin, Wicker Man, Hereditary, Midsummer, Halloween. There's another one there. Can't remember. It's Can't remember. Wailing. Yeah. yeah, one of the them. Wailing. There you go. Yeah. Right. Uh, in from the second question. In from the second question. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Our second question. <laughs> Our second question coming in from, from our boy Neil. Shout out to <laughs> fucking Neil, the absolute G. Love asks, him. Where is Tommy Wiseau from? Tommy Wiseau is the director of the r- director, star, writer of the Room. Producer. Producer. He, he did everything for the Room. Famous 2003 film, The Disaster. One of the artist. worst movies of all time. The Disaster Artist. Twenty. Twenty watts. 17? Something like that. I want to say 17. was made based on that film. Stars James Franco, All the Boys. Very good like film. Very good film. Very funny film. Where is Tommy from? What do you think on? Well, um... Oh, no, don't, don't, don't go... We'll go give our theories. Okay. I think that Tommy is from a... A ex-communist bloc country. That's what I think. All right. What do you think? I think he made his fortune selling counterfeit jeans in California. That's not where he's from. <laughs> <laughs> no, what country? I don't understand what the whole... He came is. from Eastern Europe, obviously. Yeah. His, obviously his accent is clearly his, his accent. It's so Eastern European. But the fact that he, he maintains... He lies. He's from New Orleans. I'm from New Orleans. He's, he's even said it on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. He was like, where are you from? He's like, I'm American. He's like, no, you're not. You're clearly <laughs> not. With that accent, yeah. that strong of an accent, you are clearly not American. He's a funny guy. But yeah, he's uh, apparently... There's a lot of conspiracy theories over where his money came from because the whole thing as well is that he funded a film. Like, he funded The Room. He didn't Seven rent mil. Seven mil. Seven million. And he just put money in and he's just like, don't worry about it. The money's mm. grand. I have the money for this. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. it. I have the money. But no <laughs> one knew where the money came from. Mm. Especially because he drove... He, he drove? He <laughs> drove a shit car. He lived in like a shit apartment, but he had all this money. Mm. Yeah, no one knows what happened. But uh, apparently he's from Poland. Yeah, he's from that's, Poznan. That's Poznan, Poland. That's what our research has turned up. Um, yeah. A quick Google search <laughs> as you answer that. <laughs> and then obviously his Wikipedia page. He, he emigrated to the States and apparently he started a counterfeit jeans company and sold jeans and became a millionaire off that. So he's a diesel jeans millionaire making movies in Hollywood. And he made The Room and it became this, this massive thing out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, because apparently as well, um, the book about um, the disaster artist uh, like covers this a lot. And it's like it's not really uh, brought into the film, but uh, apparently he made like he just like, had all this money, and uh, apparently the room was a way to 
launder, launder money. money maybe, yeah. Launder illegal money. Apparently, that's one of the conspiracies over why the room was made. Mm. Was a way for Tommy Wiseau, part of the uh, the Polish mafia, to. Oh uh, shit! Really? That's complete bollocks. Might not be the Polish <laughs> mafia, but uh, <laughs> the triads. The triads. The Russians. You know, whatever. It's the Russians. It's the Russians. It's the Italians. It's whoever. It's the Irish. Maybe. <laughs> We go on to the next question. Let's let's head on. Right, this question comes from the trifecta oh. of Orla, Emily, and Charlotte. Nice. The girls of the podcast, the cheerleaders, <laughs> the we cheer- might say, cheerleaders. And they ask thoughts on Jedward as a political figure on Twitter. I think it's a it's it's a, it's a strange phenomenon, definitely. The fact that uh, did you see that there's like a Waterford Whispers uh, post? Where uh, they're saying, "Oh, the new government of Ireland," uh, and, <laughs> and uh, I spilled the can all over myself. And uh, it was like Jedward and like fucking Jem Hodari in the background, but and, like all these like different weird characters from our, like Irish politics. Just like for some reason, Jedward is just in there. Like, it's, they're like the focus of like the Irish psychology right now. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. weird. You it know? is strange. I think it's it's uh, I think it's because right. Jedward have nothing to lose. <laughs> they have nothing to lose. And they're obviously left wing. Are they? <laughs> That's a good, I was Yeah, uh, they haven't done anything. As soon as I said that, as soon as I said that. They're like, just Jedward. That's the point. Are they're, they they're, uh, yeah. they're like an empty an empty vector. Like you can put whatever you want into them. Except for like Gemma. Like you can't be like a fascist and be like, oh Jedward's on my side, you know? Yeah. But like you can be like anyone and be just like, oh I love Jedward. Like everyone loves Jedward, you know? As you said, they are an empty vector. They can fill themselves with whatever. Mm. Uh, apparently, uh, Ooh, Jedward's mom was the one that controlled their social media and their agency and whatever, right? What? Yeah. So when? She, like now? Like no, she's dead now. Oh. Um, so like, what? What's your theory? Like, like she was like some sort of. She was the buffer when their mom died. They got control of all their all their social media, or whatever, and they just fucking went wild. And they started saying what they think when mm. doing whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, and it's paid off. And it's paid off. Paid off. No in, fucking matter. In dividends. Yeah, Orla was a fan from day one. I, I remember. I remember watching them on X Factor back when they first auditioned. Yeah. And I was like, these guys, these guys are gobbins. <laughs> fucking, do you remember that <laughs> that uh, the Ghostbusters performance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was man, so re- good. Man, remember Under Pressure? They released Under yes. Pressure, and it got to number one. Number one. I got to number one. But like there's something char like there's something so charming about them. Even though there's something about them. There is something about them. Like, tra- even though like fucking Egypts. Yeah, yeah. Even though they they look like fucking robots or something. And Oh, when they came back onto Twitter after years of like not being there. And uh, they engaged their fans in a very strange way. A very now, like, personal way. Have you seen them? Ma- yeah, uh, at least two of the people who asked this question have gotten DMs off of Jedward. That's like, what I'm saying. Birthday like they like they that. engage with their fans in a very weird way, mm. but they also I think it's a, call it's out. A nice way, they like. also call out J.K. Rowling for being a transphobic piece of shit. Mm. They also Kings. call out Pierce Morgan for being a fucking arsehole. Kings. They call out the anti-mask crew for being conspiracy theorist fools. Like Michal they're, Martin, they're, Michal they're, they're Martin. getting political. They're calling out all the right shit. Yeah. And I agree with them. And they're interacting with the fans. And they interact with the they fans. They DM the fans, you know. Like they're an anomaly I in think they're, Irish culture. They're something else. Cuz they, they I agree with everything that they say. They're like too 
you know that Hunter Thompson quote, too perfect to live, too retarded to die or something like that? Yeah, yeah. It's like they're just, that's obviously not the the right quote, (laughs) but but, uh, something about like, like they're just like, they're fucking posh fucking, I don't know where they're from, like Stalorg or something? Not a hide, I think. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Instu heads with like a fucking English accent and like they look like robots. Like, they shouldn't be as, like, cool as they are, really, you know? They look like... They're just dead on, but they should... You know, you wouldn't expect that from them, you know? Do you imagine <laughs> someone coming back to you in... When was it, like, 2011, 2010, mm. when they were on X Factor? Yeah, 2010, when yeah. When they're, like, getting to the live stages and come back... Someone from the future comes back to you, and they're like, Jedi, we're going to represent Ireland for two... Not one, two Eurovisions. And they're going to be huge political figures on Twitter. Yeah, I don't think they're political figures. No, but you know what I mean. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, the, the fact that someone would say, oh, they're still going in 2020. I'd be, I'd, even then, I was like 12. I would have been like, no way. I would have been like, like they're what? They're shite. I would have been like... They, they're enjoyably shite, though. Yeah, even the fact that... Uh, what was the year that they did it? There was no one else really on it. There's no one that you can think of. Man, I can't remember. Alexa- I think it was Alexandra Burke. And JLS, it- I think, was JLS. the same year. Yeah, if someone came to me in 2010 and said, Jedward are the only people who have a career 10 years from now out of all this crop, I would have been like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I would have no. been like, no, yeah. no way. Where the fuck is Alexandra Burke and where are JLS? She's fucked. They're both fucked. JLS are pedos, man. They fucking got cancelled. Are they actually- I actually did hear about some of them. Yeah, that. yeah. I actually w- did hear about nah, that. One of them's in prison or something. I did hear about yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is about that. Right, so... My Jedward Jedward going to prison. We're in X Factor in... Wait, oh wait. Oh, my God. What? 2009. 2009. Oh, man. 11 years. Yeah, it's been a while. Who the fuck... Who won 2011 X Factor? 2009. X Factor 2009. 2009. Lisa Edwards. Who the fuck is that? Wait, let's see. <laughs> Lisa Edwards. Sorry, that says Denmark season one, uh, season two. Uh, <laughs> UK. Yeah. That's a different one. Joel McElder. Oh, Joel McElder, yeah. And, yeah. uh, oh, fucking Ollie Murs. Ollie Murs, yeah, yeah, That yeah. was the year that they were in. So, yeah, still, Jed were the only people with careers after, like, 11 Joel McElder, who the fuck is that? Like, he hasn't done anything. He sings on, Ollie like, Murs has, has became big, but Jed were far surpassed that. Ollie Murs, he's a fucking pedo as well. And he had like he had like yeah, I think he is a weirdo. He had like three songs. Remember he did that he did that Vine or whatever or like the TikTok where he had like his dick in a, a Pringle can. But uh, he's no Jedward, like you know. No, he's no Jedward. He doesn't have the influence. You see, Jedward spent the, the the lockdown hanging out with some fucking like. Oh, see, he went to the Black Lives Matter pro- protest in America. Did they? Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. They were hanging out in. Uh, they spent the lockdown hanging out with like a porn star in California, Tara Reid or something. How do I know that name? <laughs> There's also I actually, no, don't, know, I actually a, don't know that name. There's another Tara Reid who accused Joe Ryden. Joe Ryden. Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe, Bi- <laughs> Joe Ryden. <laughs> Joe Rogan. <laughs> jo- Joe Biden of a uh, Joe Biden of a uh, sexually assaulting her. So she was in the news for a bit. But it's a different Tara Reid. She was a she's a porn actress. She's that thing about. Oh wait, it. she's not. Wait. Oh, she's just an actress. Oh, sorry. Question number five from Killian. Question number five from Killian asks. Any book recommendations? Book recommendations. Um, I'm glad he asked, to be honest. So for fiction, uh, same as last week, I recommend Crying of Law 49 and I recommend Blood Meridian, which is a non-fiction. Again, same as the other week, Orientalism by Edward S. 
Edward W. Said. Jesus. The wine has gotten to me, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the Fucking wine, hell. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But beyond that, uh, the book that I'm reading at the moment, which is uh, a book about trans uh, transgender women's perspective on uh, the patriarchy, I guess, and sexism and misogyny. It's uh, called Whipping Girl, a transsexual woman on sexism and the scapegoating of feminine... Of <laughs> Fem and then it. Oh, I need to do that again, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pronounce that for me, please. Uh? Pronounce that for me. Femininity. The thing. F- femininity. 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 Femin. <laughs> <laughs> the book is a uh, whipping girl, uh, by Julia Serrano, a transsexual woman on sexism and the scapegoating of femininity. Uh, Mark, any recommendations for uh, books? Recommendations? Well, we already talked a lot about uh, Mark Fisher. Yes. I think... Required reading. Required reading. Not even in terms like... He's not a political writer, really. He is political, but at the same time, he talks about stuff beyond that. It's it's more of just like basic ideas and uh, cultural observations. But beyond that, I think maybe uh, Omega Point by uh, Don DeLillo. Don DeLillo, yeah. Um, Is he still alive? Yeah, he's still going, yeah. Jesus. I reckon. But um, it's like it's sort of like a post. It's like a post Iraq War kind of uh, existential vibe. It's like a guy about a guy in the desert, and uh, he's talking about. He's like sort of like a like a Buddha character almost, and he's talking about his experience in the war, and then he gets like interrupted by this mad sort of uh, traumatic experience, and it uh, informs the rest of the book. It's really like sort of. It's very very short. It's like 120 pages, but it's very like meditative and it's, uh, it's it has a lot to say if you look if you look really deep inside it. But I think it's uh, it's worth looking at, especially in terms of what we're talking about earlier, like this whole epoch beyond 9/11. Mm, yeah, like we're still living in the age of the Iraq War. Basically, the, the Iraq War is the last thing we imagine as like a, a marker, like a cultural marker, maybe beyond uh, Trump or coronavirus. But that all sort of leads up. Beyond nine eleven and like Iraq War, yeah, and beyond that's just like fucking darkness, you know. I would say, um, as a precursor to maybe um, Point Omega, White Noise by Don DeLillo as well, a uh, a key text in uh, postmodern literature. Definitely. Do you have any more? No. Really. I got I got two more books. Two more. Far two away. More. Far away, man. Um, <clears throat> less than zero. Brett Easton Ellis. I recommend reading Less Than Zero before you read American Psycho um, because Less Than Zero is basically American Psycho in half the amount of time. Um, it deals with uh, the idea of uh, materialism and all this stuff. That It's basically a lighter version of American Psycho. American Psycho is a very dark, very disturbing, very fucked up book. A couple of pages that you can just entirely skip because he's talking about bollocks like the history of a band you can ignore that does not tie into the narrative of american cycle but lesson zero i think uh achieves all that it sets out to do in a shorter amount of time um and it's way more accessible because of it like i think lesson zero is like less than 200 pages meanwhile american psycho is like 400 plus or 300 plus anyway and then uh, my last recommendation is pedro parmo this book is fucking incredible. This book is a Mexican 
uh, gothic horror book. Have you ever read this book? I've never heard of it. Yeah. Man, you need to read this book. It is like my, my version What's of it. What's it about? What's it about? Is less than 150 pages, right? Basically, the main character can't think of his name. Goes to um a place. It is called Kamala, and he goes to Kamala because it was his mother's dying wish. She said, "Like, Mark, please go to Kamala yes, and find yes, madre. find your padre, Juan Ru- Juan Rufo Pedro Pano, si, Pedro Pano, si, madre. and he goes off to find this place and." Kamala is a ghost town mm. in a literal sense. And oh, it has ghosts. Ghosts. Oh. Uh, ties in the history of this small, tiny Mexican village in the space of 150 pages, 120 pages, uh, depending on what version you get. And is scary, is creepy, is fucked up, and is beautifully written. W- where'd you find out about this? Um, this is the first shit. I'm hearing about this. What, 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 why did you not tell me about this? I didn't tell you this before, no. man. Right. This sounds amazing. Mark, I'm going to give you this book right now. Nice. He's taking it out of my hand. <laughs> he uh, 100% read that because it's very, very good. And it's very short. And it uh, has a lot to do with uh, the stuff that we kind of like. I recommend that. Didn't know I didn't recommend that to you before. This is pure out of the blue. Oh, my God. This yeah, is no. even staged. No, it's not even staged, <laughs> man. It's actually a Whopper book. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, is yeah. a very good book. It, sa- it sounds really good, based on what you said. Yeah, it sounds uh, almost like... in the blur right now. Almost like a uh, hundred years of solitude, but like it kind less, of is, less but heavy. It kind of ties into magical realism, but it came way before it. Mm. Like, uh, again, hundred years of solitude, very important book, but Juan Ruflo inspired that beforehand mm. in the sense of like tying in a history of a place in a very interesting way. Afterward, in by, very short. Afterward, uh, short by Susan. Of words. Susan Sontag. This is this. This gets better by the. Uh, yeah, man, take that. You take the genuine. Yeah. Take that home. Read that. That's a fucking whopper book. That's mad. When was this published? Oh man, that's an old book. That might be nineteen eighty, I think. Yeah. Or seventies or eighties, definitely. That's mad. Yeah, definitely. Gonna have that. Give a read to that now. Yeah. Yeah, there the, you go. Book this, recommendations. This is not sponsored. <laughs> this is not sponsored, by the way. Book recommendations <laughs> on the fly towards like, each other as well. <laughs> yeah. Right, I don't think that this episode is very dark, so I'm going to fuck it up. Next two weeks, we're going to be talking about Perfect Blue by Satoshi Kon. You can find this film for free on YouTube. It is about an hour and a half long. It is an anime. Can't wait. This film is fucked. Um, I guess trigger warning or like content warning. Um, there is a scene of rape. There is a scene of rape, but the more intense scene of rape in this anime is uh, the reenactment of one, I guess. What? You'll understand if you watch it. If you don't want to watch it, no worries. Uh, There's plenty of YouTube videos talking about this if you don't want to watch it. Just analyze it. Analyze it. Analyze it and come back to us. Give us us comments on the YouTube. Yeah. Whatever. Tell us what you think. Oh yeah, please. Actually, yeah. Tell no, us what if you you're think. Uh, if you watch any of the films, please get back to us and tell us what you think. Or if you, you think watched, the films. if you watch Children of Men or Land of Lost, tell us what you think. Or climax. Or climax. Whatever. Episode yeah. three only just went up the other on Monday. Yeah. We're recording this on the Wednesday. Like abuse, cr- 
criticism, support, whatever you want. Yeah, please give us fi- uh, give us feedback towards this. Yeah, and yeah. tell us how bad episode two was. <laughs> 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 review on Apple. They had the review thing, so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Satoshi Kon, uh, Perfect Blue, very influential film. Talk about that in uh, two weeks' time. Thank you very much if you're still listening. Thank you, guys. I love you guys. Love you. I lo- Especially you in Il- Illinois. I love it. And I- we're actually gaining more listeners in Texas. Thank you to Texas. the boys in Texas it's- and the girls in Texas. Texas? Thank wait, you wait, to wait, the wait. boys in Texas, the girls in Texas, and whatever gender you are in Texas, thank you very much for listening. I love it. Spread like wildfire. We're taking over, Joe Rogan. We're coming <laughs> for you, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Thank you very All much. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. Fuck you, Aaron, all right? Listen to our podcast. Aaron, if you're not listening at this stage, fuck you, man. (laughs) We have no listeners from Vancouver. Fucking snake. Rap bastard. I can't believe we answered your question. (laughs) Good night, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.